Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Joyce by Chance. We're going to talk all things movies, television, sports, streaming, all that good shit. And this is our second part of our Blockbuster Summer Series, where we come and talk about all the blockbusters of summer's past. This this week, we well, we posted this last week, we had a bit of a scheduling conflict. Uh, but this week, our theme is Blockbuster of the 90s, which you guys roused in the game with Jurassic Park. It was, it, was, it was a golden battle for a bit. It was either going to be this or Independence Day. But, but I was a little just, shocked. A little shocked. JP, oh, no, well, yeah, a little, little, just I a little bit. I, I was feeling like the the teenager in me was hoping ID four because I, mean, I, I saw it in the theater when it opened. and It was pretty sweet. So yeah, yeah we'll get we'll get we'll get there at some point. But uh, yeah, reason we're doing this a week later is because we actually have, we have a, we have a guest in, in uh, on the show today. Uh, this is someone who you, you follow me on the show and you know this person. I've gotten to know her very well over the last year. So happy to have her on the show. Marisol McKee. How you doing, Marisol? What's up? What's up? Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> happy, happy to have you on. This is it's kind of like my last check mark on the you know the the corruption board until I get, until I get Shannon on, which I don't know I don't know what I'd bring her on for. But it's, it's, it's like, it's like the last, this is like the last this check big check mark on the list. But yeah, happy to have you on. Happy to have you aboard. I'm I'm really glad to be here. This is a good this is a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're gonna talk all about Jurassic Park uh, later on in the show. But first of which, before we even got talked to talk to anything regarding movies, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. Uh, we had two major shot, like major shakeups in the NBA playoffs, both of which concerned the East Conference. One first of which shocked me a bit because they were factually leading up to them. I'm like, okay, yeah, they're they're gonna fuck this up somehow. The Brooklyn Nets team. Designed, genetically designed to win a title this year, got eliminated by Giannis and the Bucks. James Harden's curse, man. He can't. He, uh, he can't you know, do it. Curse, man. He gets. He can't do it. He gives CP3. He can't do it. He gave him I mean, KD. They, Kyrie, were, he can't do it. I mean, if they were all healthy, I, th- I think it would have been a different story. I think yeah. they were wrestling a lot with injuries and stuff like that, so they I think were. that's what really hurt them. Yeah, like Kyrie Irving's up and down health was a healthy Kyrie Irving. Would have put them in the finals, but oh, for sure, yeah, that happened. The other one, I'm happy Marisol's here to talk about this with us. The 76ers trust the process themselves. Uh, they got axed by who they who they even lose to. What was it Atlanta the beating Hawk, them? Yeah, right? the, the, the Hawks. Hawks. Yes, the Hawks. Yeah, and it's mostly attributed to one man, former 2016 first overall pick Ben Simmons, <laughs> who I. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know say. I'm assuming he. I'm assuming he hasn't been seen yet because he'd be executed on sight. <laughs> but yeah, Marisol, being a Philly native, how did it feel watching the 76ers bomb the series? Um, I mean, it didn't shock me. That's what you're asking. Nothing shocks me anymore. Um, but um, uh, I so Philly fans, we are notorious for. I don't know, being what you would call, I don't know how to put this delicately, um, assholes. Um, and we're not, um, not m- most of us at least. Um, there are some that are hard on our teams and beat up on them no matter what. I always hope the best for Philly teams. I always give them the benefit of the doubt and I hope the best. Um, but like a, a you know, a, like that, that middle child that just keeps messing up, I'm, Never quite surprised if they disappoint me. Um, so, so this was this was not especially after seeing the first uh, the way the first um, especially watching uh, the way I guess it was game three or game four 
um, one of the first ones where they kind of blew their lead in like the last like in the last like that was five minutes of the game. That was four. Yeah, that was four. That's where I had no. I I was like I uh, you know, and then when game five happened, I was like I don't even want us to win this now. I don't even <laughs> want us to win it now. <laughs> it's not going to be earned. Um, but I, I I'm not I'm not it, it's it's I. I want. I only want Philly teams to to be successful when they earn it and when they play at, at the level of a of a championship level team. I don't think the Seventy um, Sixers quite did that against the Hawks. So, you know, that's what happens when you don't do that. You don't win. You don't win the series. And that's what happens. Bottom line. But here's the next year. Bottom line. Ben Simmons <laughs> needs to get out of town because I know, I know Philly sports man. They they are never going to forgive him for this. Dude, dude, you pay pay me thirty million dollars. I'll miss all the free throws in the world. Yeah, Russell. Okay. In case, yeah, in case you didn't know, Ben Simmons now has the worst shooting average from the paints of any player in the postseason with over seventy attempts. It's crazy. Lord. Like wor- worst, worse than Shaquille O'Neal, worse than Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah, when Shaq's free throw, free throw form, uh, it was really bad. I remember he used to just try to balance the ball with one hand and throw it in. Yeah, sh- his yeah, hands Shaq, are so damn big. Yeah, no, Shaq, <laughs> Shaq at least had excuses. His hands, his hands yeah. are bigger than the ball. Oh yeah, and I remember he he would he would balance it on his hand and, and throw it up because his hand is so like he's like a fucking huge talons, you know. But yeah, uh, conference finals, go Suns. I mean, I, I don't have a horse in a race. My team's Orlando. So. Oh, oh, yeah. ouch. Yeah, yeah and we, don't, we, we don't want to talk about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, but, I'm, a, I'm a Spurs fan, but all right. sitting where I live, go Suns. It's fair. It's I, don't fair. Like any, I don't like any of the teams where I live. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, really boring. I, I did think it was funny, though. Marisol and I represent the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I thought that was kind of funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Because I live an hour north of Pittsburgh, and you're obviously Philly, so, yeah, kind of funny. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to rep. <laughs> uh, moving on to our next segment. This is our, week, of course, our, our usual weekly trailer trailer talk. Uh, first one talk, we're talking about not even for a movie, not even for a, not even for a scripted series. It's for a reality show. And the only, reason I'm right bring, right. only reason I'm bringing this up is because this trailer has just been, it's like been in, it's like singed into my brain. And I can't, I, I, I can't fathom it. I need help, and so, or I just need someone to, you know, not not sleep, not sleep with me because I, I'm having nightmares about this trailer. This is the trailer for Sexy Beasts. <laughs> this is another Netflix dating show. It, oh boy, I, another. Yeah, content. Of this is hilarious though. You, you see, they have people wearing like really like detailed prosthetics. And they Some go boy, out like, and, do, and yeah. do stuff like that. Like imagine you saw this this shit going down your streets. It's like what you the... you you can't script this. Sh- I mean you. I mean obviously you, literally you can't. Script. But like wow. I mean like holy shit. You know. And yeah, Russell. Ugh. Russell, you yeah. were talking before this was was uh, went to air. Like this, this totally a bit huge. It came out like during pandemic time. Absolutely, I think this thing would have blown away Tiger King ratings. Absolutely, like, for sure. Um, this is what happens when. Uh, you know, there is the pandemic. You have a lot of room, you know, a lot of time to think. And I don't know who came up with the idea, hey, we're going to dress these people up like animals. And if they fall in love with each other, it's based on the inside, not the outside. So, yeah, this is, this is yeah. Just, just you laying all that out. Just, no, I can't do this. I, I, want, I, want, I don't want to watch this show, but 
That's all I'm thinking w- about right now. I want to watch it. Like, I'm not even lying to you. Like, I, I was so damn disappointed that you even brought this into my fucking life. And I'm like, you know what? I'll watch it. Fuck it. Why not? I, you know, I honestly thought it was, and you sent it to me. I honestly, the first, like, maybe 35 seconds, I was like, oh, I get it. It's a joke. You know, I, I was like, oh, I get it. This is satire. Um, no. And then, and then it started to click. And then I was like, oh, wait. Oh God, um, I think this is for real. And then I was like, I was like, why do I feel like this is like a live action version of something that would be like on Rick and Morty? Like, like this feels like something that no, this, this, this is this like a feel, channel that you'd stumble on. This does yeah. feel like something you find on a metal cable. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. It feels like something. It feels like something from another from another dimension that you'd stumble on. And this is just normal. This is just normal dating. Um, this is just you know, life is hard when you're you know like a fish head or just like you know, <laughs> like I don't know. Life is hard for furries, and furries need love too. I don't know. I just, I just, this is, this is, this is, this is one of those that squeaked out. I, to your point, they probably, for all we know, they filmed it during the pandemic and they were just like, ah, shit, well, we got to All right. We got to air it. We got to air it. Yeah. We got to air it. We got to, we got to put it out sometime. We got to put it out. Just get it over. We we thought that we thought it'd be going on a lot longer. Screw it. We'll just, we'll just throw it out there. Exactly. We thought we'd also still be locked down by now. Uh, I just the things the lengths people will go to get laid, gentlemen, um, yeah, I mean, never cease to amaze me. I'm I'm not gonna dress up like a fucking fish though. If if I have to resort to that, man, I'm yeah I'm out of the game completely. You know, uh, <laughs> I'll do, I'll do anything for love, but I won't I won't be a fish man. No, like I said, I can't wait till South Park gets a hold of this one, man. Oh, this will be fun. It's gonna be the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just want just want to bring that up. If you haven't, if you haven't, please, for love of God, go watch the trailer for Sexy Beasts. Yeah, you'll yeah, ne- you'll never be the same. It's a thing. <laughs> uh, next show we're talking about. This is for an actual narrative feature. At least that's what that's what we're led to believe. This is for a movie called Karen. Oh my God! Well, you're heavy hitting here today with these two. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going we're going we're going hard in the paint on these on these movies. Oh man, we're coming out swinging. So this is about what you expect. Uh, it's about a young black couple who move into this new house in the suburbs. When they arrive, they meet their neighbor Karen White. Mm. Okay. Uh, First red flag. Continue. Yeah, a large red flag, and it just—it's about what you expect. And oh, I'm just realizing now this is being distributed by BET Films. So I did. I did see that. A lot of boxes are getting checked off here. Uh, A film by Coke Daniels. Coke Daniels. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make this shit up. Just for the fact that somebody has it extremely poorly. Oh, this is yeah. This is another one. This is another one of the uh, quarantine's finest. <laughs> no, yeah, because la- last year, like the the whole that, that popularized the Karen phrase. And I remember we were talking about this. I remember we talking about this last year with uh, with Winston. Like, we, like Winston talked about, th- about this with us on one of his episodes, and we just got announced. And we're just like, wait, what? No, that's not real. Oh, it's real. It happens. So, Marisol, what do you think the trailer for Karen? <sighs> I thought I thought. Hey, look, it's very, very 2021. It's a film we need that we didn't realize we deserved, and I I'm here for it. Uh, I had a strong reaction to Karen, and and the first reaction was bring it on. Um, Taryn Manning, I'm so happy to see that woman getting work and like use Manning. what you got. If you're approaching middle age and you're a white lady, 
there are a lot of Karen roles. Use what you got. Be a Karen. Okay. <laughs> if they're going to make a movie about Karens, get that money. Be a Karen in a movie. Um, I'll support Taryn Manning. Um, I think I was getting a lot of get out crossed with Lakeview Terrace vibes from Yo, this. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I got you mixed in with maybe the intruder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm here for it. It's BET TV producing it, which makes it even more amazing. Um, I'm going to pour a nice stiff drink and enjoy this one with a couple friends. All right, Ross, what, what do you think of the trailer for Karen? Yeah, kind of what uh, Marisol said. I don't think we deserve this film. You know, this may be 2021's uh, The Room. Who knows? You know, uh, this looks rough. Um, yeah, it's just one of these like train wrecks that you can't help but watch. Like, I saw the trailer. I'm like, well, this is like they're really doing this. Like, this is like super serious. And uh, yeah, um, I'll probably end up watching it because it looks awful. And I, I think maybe Chance. I think this would be a perfect commentary film to do. Oh yeah. Um, this has commentary written all over it. I mean, that's the vibes I got when I was watching this. I said, well, Chance and I got to talk about this one. So I, th I think yeah, for sure. But it, it looks really bad. But whatever. I'll watch a train wreck. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Karen is set for a actually movie that her name is Coke Daniels. <laughs> Gotta love that too. Uh, no, yes. no, Lee's little brother. Drank too much. Either either drank too much Coca Cola or was a fan of the nose candy. Or yeah. both, probably both. Oh, that booger <laughs> sugar. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So Karen, no one that's releasing, but it's it's coming out. And this, this this we could be seeing the next like great cult film in Karen. It might become it might become a cult classic. I'm 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 ready for that. That's why I said I'm here for it. it. Looks like it's got plenty of oh shit moments, you know, like like lining up just to just to knock them out of the park. So I'm um, I'm hopeful. This might be this might be prime trash television. <laughs> uh, next show we're talking about is for. Uh, the Suicide Squad. This is the final trailer for The Suicide Squad, and this is, the, of course, the James Gunn written and directed sequel to the 2016 Trash Heap, directed by David Ayer. Uh, features two, well, four, four returning cast members, but two that you actually like, that being Viola and Margot Robbie, uh, al along on a new adventure with some new squad members. Uh, now, Marisol, you didn't watch this one. Because you know you talk about how you don't you don't watch things you don't watch it for things that you're really looking forward to, <coughs> which I respect. Uh, this is one that I missed because I didn't prioritize it because I've seen two trailers for this already. So Russell, this one's all you, buddy. What do you think of the trailer for the Suicide Squad? Way to push me out there to the uh, to the sharks, haha. <laughs> um, no, it was I again. It was like kind of what we saw already, but yeah, they added a little bit to it. I mean, it looks. I'm looking forward to it. And kind of what Marisol said, I kind of get the whole like, let's just, you know, be done with it. Like not watch the trailer, just wait and go see it at the, in the theater. But I mean, I get it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really show you anything that you didn't see already. I mean, it does have a couple funny scenes in it, like one with John Cena in particular, which I, I kind of like. I'll, I'll say that. Um, but outside of that, though, I mean, I, th I think it's going to be really interesting to see all these dynamic uh, characters interacting with one another, their dynamic back and forth. I think it'll be kind of funny. And I think Sylvester Stallone's probably going to steal this. I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, his Guns Tracker with CGI characters is pretty. It's it's pretty set in stone. If you're a CGI character in a gun movie, you're probably going to steal the movie. He's two for two so far. Uh, yeah, and the Suicide Squad is set for a uh, release on August. Hold on, what is it? It's it's August like, 6th. mid August. August sixth. 
Now this is another this is another thing I want to ask because like they're still they're still committing hard to that. We're gonna release everything in theaters and on HBO Max the same day model yeah. that they instituted mm-hmm. last year. Uh, has it been doing particularly well for him? Has not been doing well for him. It seemed like a good idea. Now on paper, this seemed like a good yeah. idea. In execution, however, eh, maybe not. Uh, so I, th- I, I will say, I will ask. Uh, do you think by the time this comes out, they'll like abandon that model? Or are they going to stick to it? And if they do, do you think it's going to hurt the overall performance of this film? Or will be, or people be driven, driven theaters to go see it? I think, yeah, I think, I think they will. I think WB is going to change their release track. I, I think the reason they will now is because of In the Heights. They were doing fine with Godzilla. As long as everything was de- de- debuting at number one, they were okay. As long as Conjuring was decent, um, Godzilla uh, vs. Kong was decent, um, Mortal Kombat was decent, as we saw. Everything's been, all of their same-day releases and HBO Max releases have been doing fine. Um, and then it's now, now there's a big question mark because In the Heights underperformed. And now, and now of course, it's just, oh, it must be because of this. You know, everybody wants answers when something like that happens. And of course, a lot of eyes are going to look at the release schedule, this whole HBO Max dual release with the theater release. I think they are going to, and they should review, reconsider, um, their release schedule. Um, even if it's just putting it on HBO Max a month after, um, it debuts in theaters, which I think is what they what they should do. They should release their their um, projects uh, for the rest of the year in theaters. Then after a month, then put them on Max. Um, I think that would get you your your numbers, get you over crossing over in the box office. All the people who are going to flood to theaters to see it will see it on your opening couple weekends. You'll get all your money up there, and you'll get it. Um, you'll still get that at home crowd um, who weren't going to go to the theaters anyway, and they'll wait a month. They'll be fine. They'll chill. Um, and you won't lose, you won't hurt uh, the film's revenue either way. I think that's what they should do. What, we'll see if they do that. What's the thing like you, you do trying to avoid that? Because like, like they brought that Nivola new for dude. He's like, hey, we're gonna put we're gonna put you in theaters and on that same day. And he's like, fuck you and your and the horse you rode in on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of reasons. I, I think especially with these big pictures like this. I I know um, for me. Um, at this point, these really, these spectacle pictures, I am going to go to the theaters to see them. You know, I'm, I'm fully vaxxed. I'm going to take the precautions. They're worth it going to theaters anyway. I think a lot of people will think that. Um, and yeah, like you don't need to force it either hands. It's still good to just give people the options. Um, but they should, they should rethink it. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the reason that in the Heights in particular underperformed at the box office. I think there are a lot of other elements besides that, but regardless, they should rethink it for their tentpole releases later in the year. Yeah, so what if, uh, like I said, uh, Suicide comes out uh, August 6th. Definitely going to see what we'll see. That. I, th- I think it's going to be great. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. So much so that I didn't watch the latest trailer, but I'm still looking forward to it. Uh, something else I'm looking forward to is Candyman. This is the second look we've gotten at this one. I feel like the first show was forever ago because that was, that was pre-pandemic when, that, that when the first one came out. Pandemic, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been stewing. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> supposed, to come out, supposed to come out last year, but you all, you all, you all know how it goes. Uh, this is the uh, latest sequel to the 1992 Candyman, uh, in which Yaya Abdul Mateen plays. Well, he plays the ba- he plays the baby from the first one. Uh, he's all grown up. He's got an obs- obsession with Candyman. 
and he's an, he's an artist, and he's doing something. They're going to lead some really bad shit if if Candyman is coming back. So, <laughs> I said, yeah, Abdul Mateen stars the, as the main role. Tiana Paris, uh, play, also in the movie, Coleman Domingo, Tony Todd may be back. I'm not sure. Vanessa Williams, who was in the original Candyman, is coming back reprising her role. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer? For, I'm sorry, Marisol, what do you think of the trailer for Candyman? Oh, um, a thousand percent on board. Uh, even more effective than the first one. Looks great. Looks excellent. Looks chilling. Got me nervous. I see a lot of body horror in there, which I think is just just getting me really excited. Um, skin crawling. Trailer was just skin crawling. Just watching. I think I think this is going to be a hit. I think uh, Nia DaCosta is getting the look of it down. Um, the actors are all game. Um, I am very, very, very pleased with the mood, the focus. I could tell the right themes are going to be present in the film. I could tell they're going to really modernize the story a lot um, and make it pretty current, bringing those themes as well. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It looks, it looks, it looks on point. It looks sharp. Now, Russell, you as someone who is admittedly not a huge fan of the first Candyman, what, what did you do <clears> this one? Yeah, I liked it, kind of what Marisol said. I really like the vibe that they're going with. You actually feel it. Um, they added just a little bit more to it. Obviously, they still kept the, the, the first trailer, I think, pretty much is pre- pretty much all in all in the second trailer. Um, but you get the vibes. And, uh, you know, I love horror films, so, so I'm always on board with that. I think the thing for me with the original one, I think I just I saw it too late. Um, I saw it probably a handful of years ago and just was like, eh. You know what I mean? It just was one of those ones where you know I have my rotation of horror films that I love, and I like this one was it was okay. I I wanted I real I will revisit the original though, just because I do want to see what they do to kind of how they modernize this film. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm on board. I, I I'm I'm really looking forward to it, especially horror films that are kind of close release to October. I always like I I kind of hate when they release it completely away from the Halloween fall season, but this will be fun. Yeah, release date for this is set for a what, what, what was it? It was a uh... August, August 27th. August, August. Yeah. That's usually like the, the dead pit of summer, but it's looking to be pretty good. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least a, a late summer release, especially for a movie that's anticipated. I think that is curious. I could have seen them maybe releasing it in late September, even though September is definitely a dead zone, but to get that jump. Um, yeah, and if they have it be the first like Halloween release, I could play all of October leading up to Halloween. Yeah, well, that's I, what I, I like. I think I like Halloween. I think Halloween mm-hmm. Kills also released in September, so maybe they're trying to avoid competition with that. Maybe get a jump on. Oh, that. right, right. So yeah, but that's <coughs> actually. Oh, actually, no. Uh, Halloween Kills actually comes out in October. So, Candyman, okay. yeah. Candyman, you had no excuse. You should have been out in September, September or closer <laughs> to Halloween. But whatever. I'm still. I'm still, still gonna see time. you because you look yeah. great. Close enough. Uh, next show we're talking about is for Annette. This is a musical film starring Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard, who play this couple. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're famous. One's a stand comedian, one's a famous, a famous singer. And their life takes a turn when their daughter is born, and she has some unexpected gifts. Uh, like I said, this is a musical uh, set for uh, Amazon, actually, or distributed by Amazon, actually. It's probably going to be a Prime exclusive yeah. as well as. Uh, when it goes to theaters. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for Annette? I don't know if I'm the only one that got vibes. Did I, I think the darkness of the film is what gave me Black Swan vibes. Um, I don't know. Just that darkness of the film, the the, the grittiness of it. Um, and I like seeing Adam Driver paired up with Marianne Cotier. I haven't, we haven't seen her forever. and uh, you know She's a tremendous actress, so it's really nice to see her back in it again because I can't think of the last thing I had seen her in. It's been quite some time. Allied, um, is that it? <laughs> Allied with Brad Pitt. Was that the one with Brad Pitt? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and that one wasn't even like that big of a success, but I mean, she's a really good actress, and I, I'm really like looking forward to this. I mean, it looks dark and kind of gritty, and it's nice to see Adam Driver kind of stepping out and kind of doing different things too. And you know, he's such a you know great actor, and boy's been working out, man. Jeez. Oh yeah, no, he's, like, he's, <laughs> Jesus Lord! You see his like his uh, six pack in the one scene. Jesus Lord, yeah. Shit, you, 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 you thought you thought shirtless, you thought shirtless, broad shouldered Kylo Ren was was great then. Look at him now. You, oh, shit. you would oh, yeah. never think you would never think that that's underneath that shirt, man. You think he's like scrawny looking, like you know he's like maybe eighty pounds soaking. My boy put on some uh, some muscle though. He did. Oh yeah, he's getting that shirts off money. Yeah, he's 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 cornering that market. Uh, I, was um, wrong, I was wrong actually. Last, yeah. last last big movie Marion Cotillard had was Assassin's Creed. Yikes. Okay, so again, oh. we, we we say big movie, and that was not that was a oof. money wise no, but that's no, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Big, big like release, yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> oh well, but as long as sorry, she had a minor role in Doolittle, but so did everybody. Uh, <laughs> so what you think of the trailer for Annette? Um, looks looks dreamy. Looks like um just a surreal. Like I said, it looks like it's just gonna. I've never seen Holy Motors. Um, so. I don't have like uh, a foundation to work off of this director's work, um, but I still did get um, just kind of maybe either like just this this hyper reality, this, this dr- drifting in between a dream world and a regular world for a musical, which I really dug. Obviously, it's going to be. It looks like the visuals just in the trailer alone. It looks like it's going to be visually just luscious, and I got like I just I just think of things that like watching a trailer like that, what, what they remind me of. And I'm thinking of like big fish and I'm thinking of Amelie thinking of like, um, not only Amelie, but just, uh, uh, Jean-Pierre, Jeannot, like, like other things, uh, other works that he's done as well. Just very, very, um, um, very bold. Um, a lot of, um, very evocative, uh, very dreamy, very surreal, um, almost like a, almost like a dreamscape come to life. And I got those vibes from this. I didn't know. I was like, what? I was like, where even? Where does this take place? What is happening? Every single shot of Adam Driver and Cotillard like looks like they're they got a completely different hairstyle. They're in a completely different scenario. They're in a completely different world and a completely different job and a completely different city. I have no idea what's going on. Um, and I'm intrigued when I see stuff like that. So I will check this out. I don't know if I'll run out to the theaters the first day to see this, but I'm definitely intrigued. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch it on cable at some point. I'm not kidding. Uh, I think, I think it was oh, right. It's Prime. Uh, yeah. Oh, it is Prime. So yeah, you have you have that. It's Yay! When you come Just for my lazy ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The suicide squad. It comes out August 6th. So it's like right after you watch oh, the Suicide Squad. Compete, you competing, competing days. Nice. Yeah, August 6th. You can watch Suicide Squad. You're going to watch Annette. Oh boy! Suicide Squad. Let the, decision, but, looks let cool. the decisions begin. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, Netflix set for a release on August sixth. Uh, something else going to be competing for box office dollars because it actually did fairly well the last time it, it tried to do this. Uh, Sing two. Uh, Sing two got its first trailer movie that I guess exists. Uh, this is the sequel to the 2016 Sing, which kind of blows my mind. This is this, is, this movie is five years. The first one was five years ago. Wow, it's crazy! Because I remember literally buying it for Ella. I think for her first was it her first Valentine's Day or second Valentine's Day? It's crazy, yeah. It's crazy because I I never watched it either though. So yeah, and it features all all your favorite all the characters from the first one, and all the money they dished out for celebrity voices coming back in order to a cash another paycheck, b get some more soundtrack money and see mm-hmm. make a movie at the same time because <laughs> it's all I... about how they're trying to figure out trying to do this show with a famous 
uh, artist who's become a recluse, and that's that's basically it. This is just such a bizarre these these movies. You know, chance I haven't seen the first thing. Yeah. Um, it's just the 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 conceit of these movies is really just like to your point, what you just said kind of blows my mind. It's just like, what a like what a whole like how expensive what a price tag on these films you have like a you're dropping all this money on like 15 a-list actors and then you're paying all this licensing like like you're getting all these songs like to be in this film and you have your your plot is it pretty much it's a talent show that's 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 the, which, the which like was, the selling point is it like come watch the plot of the first one so yeah i'm the only one here yeah. that's seen the first thing right yeah, Maybe. you probably are. Yeah, it's like did, animals do the I voice. Did, I, I got did the see voice vibes on that. Yeah, like, I did. I did see this. Okay, so I, I did uh, see the first one. Yeah, first one essentially is uh, Animal American Idol. Yeah. This, oh, okay. Well, I could see that. I mean, that vibe. The exactly voice what American it Idol like. and any, anything, <laughs> anything involving singing. Yeah. Yeah, and then again, and but like I, I will say, the budget for the first one is a surprisingly low seventy-five million dollars. So wow. is it? So would this be an animated sexy beast sing? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what this movie would be then, Chance? <laughs> but yeah, no, like, and the, the thing, the reason this is the cost is so low is because it's illumination. When it comes to animation, they cut a lot of corners. Like, they cut oh, so many they're, corners. They're Blumhouse of animation. They are the Blumhouse mm-hmm. of animation. <laughs> I'll dish you out this money. I better get this back at the end of the month. Oh, you know it's going to make money. So, I mean, oh, I'll, I'll end up taking my daughter to go see it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, but I guess that's true. After after Minions and Despicable Me three, they could do they could do whatever they want. They have enough money to do whatever they want. They, they can make us sing too. Yeah, and Despicable Me three was awful. Yeah. <sighs> Is it worse than Minions? Because I haven't. No. Seen I, I never even watched Minions. I was no, like, by that point, it's not I'm, worse. I'm like, I'm over Please all don't. this stuff. It's not Please worse don't. than yeah, Minions. Don't. So let's see. What's what's okay? What's opening against? This is open. This is currently slated to open against. Oh shit! This is a, this is a stacked weekend. Uh, currently set to open against Downton Abbey 2, The King's Man, and Matrix 4. Whoa. Holy sequels, Batman. Yeah. Jeez. That is a loaded weekend. Yeah, they can so... all just bow down to Matrix 4 net right now. Yeah, as much as I don't want to admit, it's probably, it's probably, it's probably correct. I think, Matrix, I think Matrix 4 probably wins that weekend. Much more looking forward to The King's Man. <laughs> or or, sp- or Spider-Man runoff continues and, and that, that beats all of them. Oh, is it coming out a couple weeks before? The week after. The, oh, the week after. Oh, sorry, no, sorry, week, week before. Spider Spider Man comes out week before. Mm, that'll be interesting to see how that stacks up against Matrix. Yeah, for sure, especially especially in the second week. They'll probably take it, mm-hmm. but not by not by like a wide margin. But anyways, uh, yeah, Sing Two. If you you got kids, you're gonna you're gonna take them to see this. Russell, I know you're gonna be there. You're gonna be there opening yeah. day. <laughs> And we're gonna, you know, what we're gonna do to celebrate? We're gonna watch the first thing. So it's, uh, it's gonna be quite <laughs> fantastic. Looking forward to it. And that is set for release, like I said, this December twenty second, twenty twenty one. Something else coming out later this year. This, this is a per- perfect fall film. M- maybe gonna be a big Oscar contender. So of course, talking about Snake Eyes, the GI Joe uh-huh. origin <laughs> story. Uh oh. <laughs> I know, I know you were thinking where you thought I was going, but no. Uh, oh, sorry, it's July. Karen? Never mind. It's, it's, it's not a okay. That Karen too. Never mind. This is not a fall release. This was this was supposed to be last year, but it's it's a summer release now. Uh, Snake Eyes is, of course, the origin story of the G.I. Joe character. Snake Eyes, a character who says literally nothing in any <laughs> any incarnation and has yeah. no backstory. We're giving him a backstory, and we're ma- and we're making him fine because Henry Golding is playing the titular character. Uh, now, 
Marisol, the one thing I thought was watching this trailer is, and you you can vouch for me on this one. This is the kind of shit Mike would be really into, right? <laughs> oh, God. Right? That is one of the things that was said when I was watching this. Yes, that is precisely the thing that was said. This is like, like a Mike well, movie. But Mike's excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is wish fulfillment right here. Um, yeah. You ever thought what would happen? Yeah. The, you got to see what was under there, and you got to hear him talk for 90 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, look no further. I mean, I mean, what, uh, again, just an origin story nobody was asking for. But, you know, it's got a lot of visual flair. Um, it's, it, it is at least justifying with the trailer um, that I saw the second one. It's at least looks like it's going to serve in, even if you just want action, whether you're invested in the mysterious origins of Snake Eyes or not. You know, if you just needed answers uh, whenever you saw that character. Um, it just looks like it's going to be a solid, you know, ninja, spy, action, whatever movie. It's going to it's gonna like, deliver in that regard. This feels like they had to have like a generic ninja script. It was like, yeah. fuck, we can't, yeah. fuck, we can't sell this. Put the, put the yeah. G.I.J. name on it. Let's just slap a brand on it. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's brand recognition. You know, let's let's try to get let's try to get some let's try to buy a crowd behind this. Let's just put it out. I I imagine everyone will be like, yeah, I don't I don't need that I don't need that like, crazy rich money. Snake Eyes is gonna save me. Just, just keep telling yourself that. Just keep telling yourself that. You believe it. I support him. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do support. I do support him. I do support. I do support him and his beautiful face. Uh, but Russell, what do you think of the trailer for Snake Eyes? Kind of what you guys said. I mean, it looks like a pointless action film. It looks, I mean, it looks fun. I think it's one of those ones you can just like shut your brain off and go see. Uh, Henry Golding's a good actor, so maybe it might be better. Like, if I set the bar really like low, like if it's like I'm thinking like if it's better than Origins Wolverine, I think we're gonna be okay. You know what I mean? Wow, so that, that low. That's, the, that's I, the bar. I think, of, I, th I think of bad origin films. Like, how bad could it be? It could be that bad, right? So I'm like, well, it the world be is your oyster. That. It's gotta be better than that. It's gotta be better than that. So I'll be surprised. I'll be pleasantly surprised, and uh, yeah, then it'll be it'll be good at the end of the day. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's got visual flair. It's got Henry Golding's abs. It's got the director of R.I.P.D. and the Last Few Divergence. What could go Ooh. wrong? Woof! Big player. Woof! <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know how to keep getting movies, but here we are. Yeah. And the last trailer we're talking about today is for a, a, a Netflix film. We're sorry when Netflix we're ending with Netflix. But this is the one that the project is entirely horrifying. This is for The Harder They Fall. This is a uh, Western uh, about a man who a man who reassembles his former gang to seek revenge against the man who murdered his parents. Uh, starring, sorry, has really stacked cast, including Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Lakeith Stanfield, Darrell Lindo, Regina King, among others. Uh, Russell, what do you think of the trailer for The Harder They Fall? I mean, I, I, I was digging it. I liked it. Um, it looks like a fun Western film that looks badass. It's going to have a lot of action scenes in it. Um, it looks fun. I mean, it has a stacked cast. I mean, I think I'm in more because of the cast, uh, you know, overall. It looks fun. I think it's going to be a fun film. Uh, uh, yeah, directed by uh, James Samuel, who has, he's, apparently he's a singer and a songwriter. It doesn't make movies. Okay. But, but you got, <laughs> I just love the way it's credited, produced by Sean Carter. Like, wow. Jay Z uh -oh. has such respect for this film. He decided to use his given name. That says something. Hey, um, this shit is serious, this man. This is serious business. <laughs> it was like, Jiggle, what? 
Maris, what do you think no, this the trailer looks, for? This looks, yeah, this looks great. Uh, I I'm this this trailer had so much attitude, so much style, and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing. Like you're saying, this is singer singer songwriter. It maybe would have made a little more sense if you said he was a music video director or something. Um, but he you could tell from just the trailer alone he has a he has an an eye an eye for rhythm, an ear for rhythm, a sense. Of rhythm, of rhythm, whatever. A sense of rhythm, whatever the sense is. He's got a sense of rhythm. Um, and you can feel that attitude, that style in just the trailer. Um, talk about a who's who of black actors right now. Um, uh, I, I just, I don't care what this movie is about. I was sold just with that lineup. Um, um, I, I want to see everything that Jonathan Major's in. He, he, he. I love him in everything I see him in. Every new thing I see him in. Um, I thought this was a remake of that Humphrey Bogart movie for a second. Oh, that one. <laughs> yeah, I was so confused at first. I was like, oh, it's, it's, and, it's like and, when the but, Fast and Furious came out and has like no collect, it has no connection to the original, the old Fast and Furious. Right, right. Um, this this has this looks like this looks like um, everything everything that we've seen with these with these kind of modern uh these new these modern westerns with like just like this this it's an old time story but with a very contemporary attitude um you know a django unchained a you know magnificent seven something like that something very made made with like the mindset and the attitude and the 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 hindsight of the present um, but taking place in the old west and I think between this cast and I'm hopeful about this director and it does look stylish it looks good it looks shot really well just from what we're seeing alone um, saw some great slow-mo in there I'm I'm excited for this I'm gonna I'm gonna be there I'm gonna be there on my couch to watch this I mean black black cowboys are all the rage right now Django Unchained Mag 7 Wild Wild West may have been ahead of its time this is going to be Idris Elba's second time he's played a, a, cowboy, a cowboy, quote unquote, this year on Netflix. Yeah, Concrete Cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Playing a cowboy in the modern era and a cowboy in the in the cowboy era. It's now we need no Idris, Idris Elba, the space cowboy. The circle's complete. That's next. There you have it. That's next. Uh, They'll bring him back for Fast 10 when they go to space. They go to and space. he'll bring back his character from Hobbs and Shaw. And he's become, there you a, go. He's become a cow- Boom. And he's become a Hire cowboy me. in space. Yeah. What's, a ca- what's a cowboying? Shut up. He's gonna be a triple crown winner. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it for the t- for the trailer talk. We now move on to notorious news. First news story I want to talk about. I want to talk about Marisol because I know she watches the show. Russell, you do not. Uh, Thanks. The boys has added some cast members. Uh, <laughs> uh, two known names, but the big the big one that I've been so, I felt like Obi Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. Like it's a name I haven't heard in, in over twenty years. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery. <laughs> Is gonna be in the boys <laughs> season three. Where, where have you been, Sean Patrick? I've missed you, dude. I'm I'm okay with it. That dude knows how to play unhinged, so he's gonna be right at home on this show. Yeah, he's playing. You know? He's playing a soup called Super Sunny. And Maris, I know I know you've seen the show. Have you ever read the the boys comic at all? I have not. No. Okay. So yeah, let me see if, let me see if I can try and uh, explain who Supersonic is. Let me. It's essentially, his essence. Yeah, he's essentially like this. Essentially, like you know, every superhero is like so and so if they were a dick. This is the Flash if he if this is another version of the Flash if he was a dick, or I think, or, I think <laughs> another dickish Flash. No, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That's 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 not him. 
Uh, that, 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 was, that was a different character. So, oh, shit. That actually looks like this is a character being made exclusively for the show. Oh, nice. So this, so this, is, this, is, all, this is all, like, new territory. So, yeah, we're getting... Uh, so they, they announced three heroes, Gunpowder, Supersonic, and... Uh, Gunpowder, Supersonic, and Black Hawk. Black, Black Hawk and uh, Gunpowder from the comics. Uh, Super... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Supersonic is not. This is this is a more this is more of an obscure character. They didn't really dive into him in the actual comic books. But yeah, I'm I am excited to see Sean, Plat- Sean Patrick Flannery in something again. Word, word. Yeah. Um, every new cast member I hear with this is I just get more excited about. I was already excited with um, Jensen Ackles. Um, and I'm got, so ready. I do so ready if they ever for this season. Morgan on board or not? I, I heard like oh he's going to be in it. Then I heard like maybe he's not going to be in it because of COVID. I don't know how that works, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. I would love to see him be in this show, and I think he has because I think Eric Kripke made Supernatural, so they ha- they have that rela- they have that work relationship already because he was on Supernatural. Oh, there you go. So yeah, so I, I bet he'll be in it at some point. Uh, next piece of news I want to talk about is uh, this is just a, a, pro- a production halt, but it's a predictable one in a movie like this. Indiana Jones Five has had to halt production. Uh, oh it seems like we just got this started, but we've already had to stop because Harrison Ford injured his shoulder. Oh, boy's getting old, man. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know what that says about this movie. <laughs> it's it's kind of telling that maybe you waited a little too long to do this. Yeah. I, like, yeah, you're at the point where because we know he sure as shit isn't doing his own stunts, so like that means he hurt his shoulder like lifting something onto a desk like in a scene like 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 or like reaching for the cabinet that's what we're talking about here because that's where let's be honest that's where harrison ford is kind of at in life and it's cool it's cool it's all right uh we still love him he's always he'll always be our you know our henry but uh i just you know this is this might be a sign folks might be a sign yeah, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't wait till up and goes into production. We're, we hear like these stories like every day from the sets. It's like Harrison Ford to have Tommy John surgery. How the hell does he get Tommy John surgery? Broke, broke. Danny Glover broke a hip. Three days yeah. later, no, he, he is literally too old for this shit. They are both literally too old for this. Literally, day day thirty of shooting. Richard Donner broke a hip. Yeah, it's like, oh man. Oh, Donner. Yeah, yeah. Bless him. Again, look, they're already starting Indiana Jones five. Leave up in five. Time is not on your side. You need to like you, you need to start this yesterday if you if you really want to do it. Yeah. Uh, or I've always said you need to just like evolve the story. Like it doesn't need to be like, dude. If the original stars are approaching their eighties now, it doesn't have to be like an action story. I know that might disappoint fans, but like, it doesn't have to be a. a international espionage high octane action adventure it doesn't have to be that kind of story it doesn't have to be be kind to your stars <laughs> i know it's tricky with with action adventure franchise staples like indiana jones and lethal weapon but but think outside the box <laughs> all right uh next story we're talking about is for about meet cute so meet cute is an upcoming movie that was just announced uh it's going to be a side a sci-fi rom-com Starring Kaylee Cuoco and Pete Davidson, it's gonna be about. This is either it's gonna be gonna be like a really good premise or like a really insulting one, depending on how this is played. Uh, it's about. Uh, it's basically centered around time travel, 
And it centers around the question whether you would go back in time and fix your partner and their problems to make them more perfect for you now. Oh, boy. This could, this could, play, this could play a lot of ways. Oof. And it, it, it done right. This could be brilliant. There was actually a movie, movie came out a few years back called The One That I Love. It starred Mark Duplass and Elizabeth yes. Moss. In which, like, Great. yeah, in which, like, they basically find the ideal version of the other uh, in this other in this other house. That's why I like about indie sci-fi. Like, they can do these like these like high concept premises and they would like with like minimalistic money and minimalistic effects. So mm-hmm. this could be like that. This could also go the route of a lot of other movies. <laughs> It could, but to your point, like, yeah, because the thing I love about that movie in particular you said is it kind of reminds me of, like, a really great episode of Black Mirror. And Black Mirror has made the most out of, like, these really, really complex relationship stories and relationship dynamics with a sci-fi edge. Some of the best episodes of Black Mirror have done that with, like, a smaller budget with very simple techniques and very creative techniques and smaller budgets and told really meaningful, very thoughtful um, stories using, like you said, very high concept that on paper you're like, oh, that sounds like a headache, but actually turn a very turn into a very very thoughtful story. So, yeah, it, this could easily go that way. You know, it's got a couple talented people in the leads. So let's see. You know, as long as the writing is, as long as you've got talented writers, you could do a lot with this. So let's see. Yeah, not really familiar with the. Oh fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was reading over the production team for this. Uh, one of the script writers of this is Akiva Goldsman. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Everything we just said, John. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. No, no, forget, Here, forget help. Here's, forget the, here's to the next one. Forget optimism. <laughs> Russell, what do you think? Kind of what, I mean, yeah, I'm thinking of the, the fact that, like, if you have to try to search for the best version of your significant other, should you even be with that person then? Isn't the whole right. idea that you're with that person because you accept all that? Um, I, I think it kind of like contradicts itself, but I mean, kind of what you said, Chance. I mean, if done right, I mean, it could be interesting. Um, it just lends a lot of problems. You know what I mean? I think there's going to be like, I mean, you, you have that risk of offending people too. I mean, people are going to get offended no matter what. But to me, it's like if you have that person and you're with them, I mean, isn't they're obviously enough or you see something in them that other people don't see. So, you know what I mean? I think it kind of counteracts that. Yeah. That's just me. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how this turns out, but. Yeah, again, any optimism I have for this, like, cause I, cause I like, I like Pete Davidson. I'm glad Kaylee Cuoco got out of the hell on earth that is the Big Bang Theory. But the flight, and, the flight attendant's really, and the great, flight attendant's really good. She's really good on it's, the flight attendant. It's fantastic, by the way. I, that's a show I actually did watch. Yeah, uh, but oh, Akiva Goldsman's announced uh, as a writer. Gone. <laughs> optimism. <laughs> gone. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is Disappointment Boulevard. This, the cast for this is ramping up. So this is going to be Ari Aster's next film. Joaquin Phoenix was already announced a star. Joining him along the way will be three actors who I didn't think I'd see together in a movie. Uh, Amy Ryan, Nathan Lane, and Patti Lapone. Uh, no, word <laughs> I want, no hard word I want this film is about. Much like a lot of Aster's films, keeping things very close to his chest. Uh, but all we know is going to be about a successful entrepreneur uh, one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time over his decade-long career. There's gonna be like some supernatural shit to it. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Point is, it's Ari Aster. It's gonna be something bizarre, which I, I don't, mean, which I don't mind. There has to be people singing in it. If you got Nathan Lane, it, Patti, maybe it takes is it, place at Patty Lapone. Is this like, a music? Is this a secret musical? There better be some singing in this bitch. Like, yeah. like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Amy Ryan can sing. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but can. yeah, 
I yeah, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, how do you feel about his his uh, his other films, with uh, Midsommar and Hereditary? All the way up on Hereditary, and then I I was very cold. I've only seen Midsommar once, but I was very lukewarm to Midsommar. What? So, yeah, so I, I, I've only <laughs> no, seen it once. I've only seen it once. No, no, no. I I'm also I'm also yeah. open minded enough that I'm like, I I know that there's a lot to um dig through here that yeah. it will it will a rewatch will be very rewarding. Um yeah. Hereditary out the gate was a was a oh, masterpiece yeah. for me like on the first viewing. Yeah, so yeah. Um it's a, it's I might need to, to Yeah, it's a lot more to unpack. Mhm. Exactly. Um yeah. so uh, yeah, I I'm still I'm still very much in Astor's corner. I very much um am a fan of his of his um his approach, um his approach to storytelling, his his mastery of atmosphere already with just like a couple films. So Russell, you hear all these cast members. You got Joaquin, you got Amy, you got Nathan and Patty joining the cast again. Hopefully, this musical is be, this to be the greatest thing of all time. Uh, so, what do you think of the? What do you think of the? Uh, what do you think of Disappointment Boulevard? I mean, obviously, with the first two films, I'm, I love Midsommar. I think I li- I, th- I would put Midsommar a, a, a hair above Hereditary, and I loved Hereditary too. He's two for two. Um, Kind of what Marisol said. I mean, he does a great job of building, you know, the whole entire environment. I think that's what really, you know, I can say maybe like another one went on his game. Shyamalan does the same thing. Um, I don't know. I just I am like totally vibing with what he puts out. I think it's fun. I mean, it's scary. It's it's just it's all sort of different, you know, feelings that you feel during these uh, his movies. And when you add all that talent to it, I mean, I think you know, especially with Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, shit. That's that that's a selling point right there. I'm looking forward to it. So. For sure. Yeah, he's he's a good fit for Aster. Joaquin is so he's such an intense. He's so bendable. You can mold, you can mold him into pretty mm-hmm. much anything. You know what I mean? Like you know, obviously you know, uh, you know he he just he's just I don't know everywhere. You know, PTA films. He can just do it all. You know, I I love exactly. the way he, I love the way he gets directed in the master. I think that's you know a really really <sighs> far underrated Joaquin Phoenix performance. Um, mm-hmm. it, it just he's he's just a great actor. Yeah. And you know what I'm thinking too is now that I got started thinking about musicals and stuff, and I started thinking about Lapone, and and I started thinking I just pictured like for some reason I st- we like I said we still don't know what this movie like, you're saying we still don't know what this movie is about, but I just pictured some kind of some kind of Astor having some kind of take something similar to Sunset Boulevard, you know, just thinking about Nathan Lane and and the two of them. I'm getting really caught up in this musical and this and this like showbiz angle thinking about the two of them in this movie but i could i just my mind just went to like if ari aster remade something like sunset boulevard imagine that oh, film that, like that would holy be crap like, that would be the biggest deterrent for anybody to get in the show business <laughs> right <laughs> that'd be the biggest make, psa to be so like dark, do though, not I think do not awesome. become an actress yeah. <laughs> do not yeah. go to make movies it's like if you win the lottery, you die. It's, you're cursed. You die. Don't do it. Yeah. Uh, but something else that is definitely about well, not definitely, but most likely about show business, uh, Babylon, uh, Damien Chazelle's latest film, uh, has set some new cast members to it uh, in the form of Olivia Wilde, Tobey Maguire, and Spike Jones, who I guess will do anything before he makes another movie. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, nowhere I want this cast is, but they're doing. Massive ensemble includes Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, uh, Samara Weaving, Catherine Waterston, Eric Roberts, Flea, uh, Joe Adepo, and a lot of others. Which to be announced. Again, no word on what it is, but it's rumored to be a piece about Hollywood. So 
I guess is in a play for another Best Director Oscar. Who knows? Uh, but uh, Russell, uh, you hear these cats, cats, the cast of Babylon, and you know, I don't know, I don't know about, how you feel about Chazelle as a whole, but you know, are you interested in his next project? Oh yeah, I'm a big Damien Chazelle fan. I think, and and then the other thing that's Oscar bait, obviously, is the cast and the fact that Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. So I mean, this yeah. this plays right into the Oscars. Um, you know, anytime you do a love letter to the days of past, or, you know, future, whatever with Hollywood, I think it's a it's a surefire victory. But uh, yeah, given the talent around it, super uh, super excited about it. Yeah, uh, uh, Marisol, I know I know you're not really into La La Land. I don't know you get by his other two movies, but. Uh, you, know, you hear this all this you know all this a list for back of it were a list to b list talent uh, adding to this uh this new Chiselle move the Chiselle joint as you would say what do you think <laughs> um i it sounds really it sounds really loaded i my biggest my first concern is that it might be overloaded we'll we'll we will see Chazelle has impressed me the most when he's tried to tell that small scare small small scale story with big scale scope like like whiplash which i think is his masterpiece uh, whiplash is his masterpiece for me i think that yeah, film I is agree. excellent I um and i think he works well with the very intimate small scale story um i know he wants to swing big la la land was one of his like you know he he wants to swing big and glamorous um and bombastic um but i i We'll see. I think he loses some of the the power of his storytelling and intimacy. Um, where I think where he shines the most as a filmmaker, I have unique unique criticisms of La La Land. But um, I I get weary when I see a cast like a cast this big with this with this much talent and this big. How can you possibly? I, I'm I'm worried it's going to be a little overstuffed, um, and overstuffed, but only you know a foot deep. You know. I, I worry you can't dive as deep when you when you create when you're trying to we're just gonna make a film about 1920s like you know like glamorous Hollywood. I'm a little concerned about that, but that's preliminary. Let's see, let's see where the project goes. I'm still, you know, I still am of course gonna be interested and hope it does well. Um, and let's see where it goes. It's in a lot of talented hands, obviously. Um, and like you said, this these kind of movies are gonna be this movie will be embraced anyway. Because what you guys were saying, being a love letter to old Hollywood, it's gonna get it's gonna get a lot of it's gonna get a lot of buzz and a lot of attention anyway. Um, so let's see, let's see what happens. I hope it does well. Yeah. So that means you're not looking, not looking forward to "Don't Look Up," the uh, Adam McKay "Moon's Gonna Crash Into the World" movie. <laughs> I don't know what to think of that. But I'm still trying to wrap my brain around. I don't even I don't even know. I, I don't even know that. Well, I still don't like, have a... well, like 75 different actors. I, dude, I don't even. I still don't know what to make of this movie yet. I got to see a trailer. Yeah. I, I got to see something. I got to, I got to, I, I need something to work with. Cause I'm just, I'm just, befu- I'm befuddled. <laughs> right, well, so, well, let me try to un- unbefuddle you with our next story. Uh, it was announced today that uh, interview of the vampire is coming back. It's going to come back as a TV show for AMC. Uh, going to be ran by uh, the first season. Going to be ran by Roland Jones, uh, who did the fir- who created and ran was the showrunner for the first season of Perry Mason, which is fairly excellent. If you haven't seen Perry Mason, go watch it. It's actually a really fantastic show. Uh, th- there, he did say he was not coming back for season two. We're all like, okay, why was there bad tension? May- there might have been, but it's yeah, it's clear because he want he wanted to do this. So uh, we're getting more interview with the vampire. So Russell, have you uh, have you seen the? The movie, Interview of the yeah. Empire, or, or Queen of the Damned, either one. 
I've seen both, yeah. It's been a while for Queen of the Damned. I think Interview the Vampire is the one I've probably watched the most recent. For good reason. That one's yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, good. yeah, because the other one's trash. But <laughs> Interview with the Vampire is just—it's—it's it's a fun film. And unless I love Aaliyah, yeah, that first one's bad. But it's rough. It's rough. Yeah. Uh, but how? Uh, how would you feel about? How do you think? I mean, Interview with the Vampire would work as a, you know, uh, serialized uh, television show. It's perfect. I mean, I think what—not uh, that I had watched them before, but like True Bloods and other shows like that were successful there for a long time, and it's about the same type of uh, of stuff. So, I mean, I don't see any reason why, especially with Anne Rice's, uh, you know, books and stuff like that. It's, but she's a really beloved goth, you know, writer, and I think that you know that lends itself perfectly to a television or a sitcom type, uh, uh, you know, positioning for her her work. So, to me, it makes sense. I think it'll be fun. Depends on who they get attached to it. Um, it's one of those things. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is something that could be drawn out for many seasons, but definitely I could see maybe like two or three seasons out of it. Yeah, Mara. So I don't know how you feel about it. the you know the aforementioned interview the vampire or Queen of the Damned, but uh, I do think interview the vampire. Would you be intrigued about an interview the vampire weekly show? Um, yeah, I would. Um, I'm a fan of the first. I'm a fan of Interview with the Vampire. Um, I think it's a I think it's a great vampire story, one of the more memorable ones. Not that I've seen like that 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 many vampire movies, but it's def absolutely one of the better examples of what I've seen. Um, and uh, yeah, with the right uh, you, Russell, you're bringing up um, True Blood. Yeah, like I True Blood was such a guilty pleasure of mine, and I never watched Vampire Diaries, and I didn't yeah. want to because it, it just would just be a sanitized version of what True Blood. Is it was able to go there and do? Just, just, um, just, just watch the episode where Mike gets killed. <laughs> That's it. Oh no! Right. That's right. That's right. Oh right. Um, um, True Blood was such a guilty pleasure. Such a great, just a fun, fun, highly entertaining, completely owning its trashiness vampire show. Um, and I think Interview with a Vampire would have a just the thought of a TV show based on that book, based on that film um, would have like a little level a higher level of like class to us. I don't think it would play it as, you know, as um, tongue in cheek um, as a, um, as tongue in cheek as like a guilty pleasure as uh, true blood would play it. Um, but especially if you have it take place in the past, um, the way interview with the vampire is, I think. And like you said, you assemble the right people. I would be fascinated by it. I think, I think we're ready for another really juicy, really well done and respectfully done vampire story. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a good a good vampire anything since Twilight. I was going to say Dracula since Dracula Twilight. Twilight. I yeah. believe there was a classy one in Forks, Washington. I think there was a <laughs> there was something going on there. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll get to those eventually. <laughs> uh, yeah, next story we're talking about today. Uh, uh, Russell, is this your favorite? This is your favorite subject of all time? Oh, Christ. Disney live action remakes, baby. Come on. Got to ah! stop this shit. It's, it's madness, man. It's madness. They, they never sleep. They never sleep. No, they, they never don't, stop. Man. They don't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Uh, so this, uh, it was announced a few days ago that uh, the remake of Snow White and Seven Doors has found its actress, Rachel Zegler, who's in West Side Story. Right off the bat, I heard the story. I'm like, this feels like a giant apology from Disney. She's like, we're sorry. We're sorry. We're sorry for Ansel. We'll give you something else just here. What, 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 what do we have lying around? Alan! We got Snow White? You want to be Snow White? Sure, be Snow White. It's fine. It's whatever. 
Uh, but yeah, she's going to be set to play the Snow, uh, Snow White in the live-action remake. Mark Webb is going to direct this film. Uh, Marisol, do you think the world is ready for more Snow White? Uh, dude, does the world need more Snow White? Okay. Yeah. Does, uh, just, like, ugh. I, I, I'm assuming you're not quite a fan of of, 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 of live-action remakes. Um, I think the world's ready for Karen White, actually. <laughs> see, <laughs> I will see Karen White before I see Snow White. I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I have yet, I have one Disney remake that was worth worth it i got me. two i got two i'll give you jungle two. jungle book is the one that was worth okay. it to me um i liked aladdin and i like breeding the beast believe it or not i i was really surprised with aladdin because you know obviously you know uh, director wise i just wasn't thinking that i'm glad he's never done this before you know what i mean this yeah. is gonna be this is super crazy but uh i don't know uh, those two i think because i've always liked those animated ones and lion king really doesn't count because it's like a it's like a shot for shot. It's like Gus Van Sant's Psycho. It's like a shot for shot of the same thing. Yeah, so, I mean, Lion King was a low. I think. I think looking back, everybody will say. I think the consensus will be that Lion, Lion King is a low point in these live action remakes. Um, yeah. A creative, a, a creative low point um, for these live action remakes. Um, I, I just, I'm biased because I just, I just honestly don't think we need these. I just honestly don't. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not being like self righteous to be like, that's my childhood. Like my childhood was in 1930 seven or whatever it wasn't like it's not my childhood like you're not messing up my childhood i just don't think i just i i just know that this is just disney doing just 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 i just know it's all business they're just picking the next yeah they're just picking their next property in their vault to just um to just redo refresh and just make some money i just know what is motivating them with all this stuff and to middling effect the products the resulting products are just to middling effect um, and I know I'm, I'm not, I'm not excited or enthusiastic whenever I hear any of these things. I'm, I'm not, we'll see what happens with Little Mermaid. I wasn't excited when I heard it was being oh, announced. Oh yeah, that's, um, that's happening soon. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I, I, I just, they're just not necessary. I know once you know what is motivating these and you see the sterile products that are coming out, we've seen several of them. It just doesn't give me any enthusiasm when they announce a new one. And I have no enthusiasm for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I, I, I will say, I think it's funny that they're doing that. They're still doing this considering people, people are trying to cancel the ride for Snow White's. Like they're trying what? to cancel the ride of all things. Well, cause, but funny thing is like, they just refurb that ride in Disneyland because the whole the funny thing about that of that one originally was you go through like the whole movie, but yeah. like it, when you go on the ride, you see like the it, it's going. You get to the part where they fight the wicked witch. There's like a big lightning crash and the ride's over. <laughs> it's like what? The f- like yeah. the, it doesn't end. It just, like the ride doesn't end. It just stops. <laughs> so they they fixed it. They put the ending in where like you know the, the you know, true kiss wakes her up. Yada yada yada. And people were, people were, I remember people seeing people get pissed at that. Because you know, oh, she she could she couldn't consent because she's asleep or whatever the fuck. My God, it's very tale. But it's funny that they're still. Oh right! Oh right! I forgot. This is what Disney does when they remake these. They they yeah they apologize for everything in it. That's right. That's what they did with Beauty and the Beast, where they correct everything that might be slightly slightly seen as yeah misogynistic or or a little insensitive or a little outdated. What are they? they're auto-correcting all the gender politics of all these films. That's right, I forgot. What are they going to do with the penises on the front cover of the Little Mermaid uh, VHS box? Leave, leave them in. Leave them in. That's what you do with them. Leave them in. I mean, I don't know. Do you, How do you undo that? Do you not have penises on the new live-action 
poster. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how that works, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, Russell, you know, <laughs> we're going to go and get the other subject matter expert on this one. So what do you think of yeah. the uh, live action I mean, Snow White? Kyle, Kyle Marisol said, I mean, we don't need them, but I understand what they're doing. It's it's the game of money. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. To me, I, I think it is smart business because what it does is obviously it draws eyes to the original content too. So it, it so you want to see, you know, the live action film, but on the flip side of it, it's like, well, it's like, well, why don't we revisit, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs with people that didn't see it? So you're getting more eyes on the original classics and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's keeping everything relevant. I mean, it's it's a smart business move. It, it's what Disney does. They're They're about money. Uh, I won't. I won't hear anything otherwise. I mean, it just. It, it is what it is. Uh, they are. You know, they're in the business for a reason. You know, and they ain't to lose money. And if they do, they're coming back harder to make that money back. So you look at all the properties they own. I mean, they they're, they're never gonna lose money. I mean, I will say this. I mean, as much as I just, no, I'm not into the idea of a Snow White remake. Not, not, no, no particular reason against. It's just not like not one I'm like, you know, chomping at the bit for. I'm happy for Zegler just because you know, since her debut is like forever tainted. Thanks, Ansel. <laughs> is going yeah. to be this is, you know, it's kind of like her like sh- like her second shot. Be like, okay, you know what? No controversy uh-huh. this time. This is all on you. And then Watson cast somebody else who's problematic against her. Is like, what the? Come on, <laughs> give a sister a break. Yeah, we we won't be getting Baby Driver two anytime soon. I guess something else. <laughs> something else. We're probably not. Something else we're getting also from Disney. Uh, they're going back to another famous well of theirs: uh, theme park ride based movies. This one, they're actually going to one they've actually done. They're going to where they've actually done in the past before. Tower of Terror. Tower of Terror is getting Ooh, another yeah. movie. Not only that, <laughs> will be produced and star Scarlett Johansson. Oh, okay. All right, sure. Yeah, uh, so it's going to be based on, the th- of course, the famous... Funny thing is, like, it's actually like a sp- inspired by like a Twilight Zone, an episode that was never made. But yeah, so uh, I don't know who she's going to be. don't know what the story is, but... Uh, it looks like uh, Toy Story 4 director Josh Cooley is paying the script. So, yeah, this is this. It seems legit. <laughs> yeah, no plot details yeah. yet. But, uh, yeah, uh, Russell, you were, I think, weren't you actually at Disney World recently? Or Disney yeah, World? I, I love that ride. That's one of my, that's one of my favorites. Funny thing, is yeah. clo- funny thing is you can't go to Disneyland ride anymore because it closed down and got reaffirmed to Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you. Thank you, Corporate Synergy. Uh, but, yeah, do you think this will work as like, you know, a narrative feature? Um. I don't know. That's the thing. Kind of what you said. Like, I love the fact that it has that, uh, you know, the, the Twilight Zone vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, this is great. Um, yeah, it has that Twilight Zone vibe. I think that's what, uh, you know, you, you realize, you know, how effective it is. Like, you look back at, like, what they did with, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that kind of taints that whole entire ride. Uh, I like the I like the vibe they go with with the uh, Twilight Zone. I think that's more, uh, I don't know, just more intimate. It's more scarier. It, it really adds that environment of that ride. Although I, I do I do like the Guardians ride I don't like as much Tower of Terror but I do think I do think it's a fun addition, and it, it makes sense because they you know they refurb that whole Avengers campus, and the Tower, Tower of Terror wouldn't really fit there anymore. It's like it's like right yeah. in the middle too, so it's not like you can ignore it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Maris, I want to talk to you about the Tower of Terror because I, I'm surprised that Disney is the thing that Disney keeps trying, because the success rate of, of, on this is astronomically low. <laughs> you have the first pirates and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think they have more to work with though with Tower of Terra that you can at least you can form like a horror a family horror story around this. You can. I remember the ride Tower of Terror. Um scary ride. You know, uh, scary ride. Um and just the fact that you started mentioning it, my memories went to that ride. Um that 
that right there, I'm like, okay, you could work with that. Like you can, you can turn that right there, that feeling into, you could turn that into a film if you do it right. Um, if you actually give it a story, um, you, you can do it. It, it, and they can make it scary. They can, if they want to take it the direction of like pirates and make it PG 13 rather than a PG, rather than like more like a haunted mansion situation. Um, you can, you can get a spooky movie out of this. You can, you can craft a good ghost story or whatever you have to do, um, and create a scary film around this, uh, family friendly enough um scary film um i think it's i think it's a good idea i think it's a good enough idea um with potential we'll see we'll see is jungle cruise a disney ride it is yeah it okay. is all right all right that's what i that's what i thought yes, uh that one doesn't look good but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're trying, they're trying that again too but yeah well yeah like i said we'll see, we'll see how it turns out uh next piece of news we're talking about is uh transformers they're back in the news uh, but they've gotten some more news on the most recent project that they're working on. Uh, it was announced that there's going to be a new movie directed by Stephen Cable Jr., who did Creed 2. Uh, and we've we got a title now, uh, Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Uh, now, everyone's Transformers fan, myself included, their, line, their minds immediately went to Beast Wars, and yes, it will uh, you know, adapt the Beast Wars for... Live action. You don't know what Beast Wars is. It's it basically transformed, but they all transform into animals. It was really, it was really weird. It was strange, but the tar- the cartoons actually look legitimately good. Uh, yeah, Stephen Cable Jr. You have uh, Anthony Ramos set to star on this. Dominique Fishback uh, from Jews of Black Messiah to co-star along with him. Uh, so, yeah, Marisol, Transformers are coming back. No Michael Bay. This is going to be a sequel in the Bum- the Bumblebee universe, which is still technically the Bay universe. But we're not going to talk about that. Uh, Transformers: Rise of the Beast. You ready for more transforming action? Oh, how do you say yes and no at the same time? Um, <laughs> yo, um, I, 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 so I still haven't seen Bumblebee yet, but I know that Bumblebee was a step back in the right direction. That it was well received. Um, movie, everybody who's the, seen the it has massive, had, the movie is massive in the diving community. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, um, I I look at it like that. Uh, before um, before um, what you call it? Before uh, Bumblebee came out, um, and you asked me about the Transformers franchise, uh, I would say kill it with fire, um, kill it with fire. Uh, do everything you have to do. Um, bury it, uh, bury it at the bottom of the ocean. Franchise needs to go away. Fuck that franchise. It's 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 done. It's over. It's it's no. Um, t- terrible place. Um, but uh, I will try to work with this goodwill. Once, like you said, like once you remove Michael Bay from the directing chair, um, and you just get his money. You know, you just ask him for his money. Um, but you uh, kind of keep him out of the creative process as much as possible. Um, it looks like they've already turned, it sounds like they already turned um, a better product, uh, a more um, a more aspiring product, a product that gets it a little bit more and actually has a lot more heart in it um, than these, um, these, these bastardization Transformers sequels that we've been getting. Um, so yeah, I, I will be optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I'll say like, okay, let's see. Let's see if you could get it going again. We'll see. Um, but I will be, I will double down. I will say this franchise needs to die, die and never come back if this is bad. Uh, I will say that, 
<laughs> I, will, I will say that Bellamy was a step in the right direction. I didn't love it, but I do think it's, it's better mm-hmm. than anything else I've seen before. And mm-hmm. it seems like what they're, do, they're, they're doing a good job of getting recruiting new talent. I like Stephen Cable Jr. I think Creed 2 is a really good movie. I was waiting for him to get more. I wanted him to get more work. I wish it was something else, but <laughs> I'm glad he's working. <laughs> uh, Russell, did, are you familiar with Beast Wars at all? No, I, I mean, I don't think, no. Uh, well, think, no. think of like the Dino Box, except it's everybody. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, how do you, you know, how do you feel about another Transformers movie with, again, you got an upcoming, upcoming director, up-and-coming yeah. stars. Seems like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're trying to, trying to get the goodwill of the fans back. I mean, it makes sense. Bumblebee was a success. I mean, not monetarily or domestically with money, but I mean, uh, critically wise, it, it was. I mean, yeah, it, it re- rehashed and retreaded ET, but uh, it, it was it was a fun film and it had heart, and I think that's what got a lot of people talking back about it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you have that. What was it? The last night? Uh, was it last night or whatever the hell? The la- the one before uh, Bay's last one with the yep, last night Merlin. Yeah, the last night with Bur- Merlin and everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, that ended with like such a thud, you know, although that one was better than the one previous, um, I thought. But anyway, yeah, it, it's it's time to get it back on. And, you know, what better way to do it than just, you know, you, you have to rehash. You have to come out with another film. I mean, obviously, you know, you, you have such a big, huge franchise. It's like, you know, internationally, you know, uh, just money, 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 money. So, I mean, it makes sense. And I think that if it's done right, it's going to really kind of jumpstart the uh, franchise again. Yeah, so definitely see when that comes out. I think I also had a we also got a release date that's set to come out uh, June. Tw- oh shit, June twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. It's next year. Uh oh, yeah. summer blockbuster. Let's summer get it. Blo- it <laughs> the twenty twenty two year movies come back. What are we dealing with? Transformers. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, and last what we're talking about is uh, look, David Fincher. We talked about how he refused he's refused to work for years. It seems like Mank lit a fire under his ass, though, because uh, his next movie, The Killer, is set to start filming in Paris later this year. Michael Fassbender is already attached to Star. Russell, Perfect. I know that's enough. That's enough to sell us both on this movie. Oh, yeah, Fassbender. Oh, me tremendous. three, me yeah, three. Fassbender's he's my favorite. He's my favorite. Such actor an right under, now. such yeah. an underrated actor. That you don't. I mean, yeah, yeah, when he's in stuff, but like, nobody talks about him a lot, and I just yeah. think he's such a great actor. So. And I love, I love Fincher. This is perfect. Well, he had like a really good stretch between like twenty, like two thousand nine, two thousand fifteen. But it yeah. seems like after that, he just had like a really bad spell. We need to get like Apocalypse and Assassin's yeah. Creed and fucking the Snowman. A snowman was so was such a letdown. I mean, Shame's probably his best. I mean, that's I mean, that's yeah, me being. I mean, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, it, uh, it seems like from that year. he's been passing the ships of good movies, but then he's just yeah. never gotten on. <laughs> but now you know he's, know he's got this. He's got the next Taika Waititi movie. He's yeah, rumored yeah. to be in that Wild Bunch remake, which I do hope happens because I love to see Mel Gibson's Wild Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Marisol, what do you think about? Uh, I, I know you already said you're sold, but yeah, you're you're sold on the killer, Fastbender, Fincher. We don't know who else, but you're sold. I don't care who else. Don't matter. You yeah. put a, a couple goats in the movie with Fassbender. Have him act off a couple goats, man. It's gonna be an Oscar contender. Um, it's 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 yeah. He is that man is never not excellent. He he doesn't have a single weak performance in 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 his in his lineup. Even the movies that are bad, like he. I, 
yeah, he might have seemed a little a little sedated in, in Assassin's Creed. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> but like he he's he's still even not like it's not terrible. Um, but um yeah, Fincher wasn't crazy about Mank, but um I'm always always thumbs up any new project Fincher is doing. I'm always interested. Um and will always go to see it. Um he's just so just such a phenomenally talented filmmaker. Um it's obscene, the talent off the charts. Um and that combination right there, I don't I don't care what it's about. It's it's don't care. I'm gonna see it because it's gonna be grade A filmmaking and acting. Yeah. All right, so that brings us to the Anatorious News. We now move on to the main event, the movie of the week, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park came out in 1993. Uh, the, the story to get to this movie is actually really interesting because there was a massive bidding war for this film uh, before the book even came out. Like they were like everyone in Hollywood wanted like 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 you know super super wanted eventually got it. Uh, James Cameron was vying for it. Joe Dante was vying for it. Tim Burton was vying for it. There was this like giant massive bidding war. Like again, before the book even got published, because there's just such big hype around it, such potential. People saw such potential in it. Uh, Universal ultimately won the bidding war. They paid a hundred. They put one point five million dollars for the movie. Dished an extra half million dollars for uh, Crichton to write the screenplay along with David Kep. Uh, movie came out and it was, it was huge. Uh, slightly profitable, right? Slightly profitable. <laughs> so, uh, but on a budget of 63, $63 million, uh, grows to this day has grossed over $1.03 billion at the global box office. Was the highest, was easily the highest grossing film in 1993, and for a brief moment, was the highest grossing film of all time until some belt ruined that four years later. Thank you, Cameron. Don't be mad, bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is one of the uh, when you talk about summer blockbusters of the '90s, this is definitely one of the pillars of that genre. Uh, but question is going to be, does it hold up? To, okay, you already know the answer to that. It does hold up, but we're going to talk about why. But Maris, I want to talk uh, to you first. Uh, do you recall the first time you watched Jurassic Park? Yeah. Um, so I was three when it came out, but um, I distinctly remember. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, you're good. I, 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 constantly, I constantly feel older and older as uh, all this shit goes by, so it's kind of funny. You only should feel wiser and wiser. Russell. This is true. Uh, yes, uh, that's, uh, that's, 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 what, that's what the gray hair says. <laughs> just say yes. That's dignity and wisdom. That's what that hair is. Hell, hell yeah. um, but um, uh, yeah, and I remember, I distinctly do remember this being the first thing that I was taken to. I have memories. I have memories of it being my first experience in a theater. Um, my dad was really into dinosaurs. So, so, uh, that's, that, that was babysitting that afternoon was going to go see Jurassic Park. Um, and I, uh, I was scared out of my mind, shit my pants, cried. Um, but obviously cause I was a, a little toddler, but I was so fascinated. I was excited, scared. It was thrilling. Like I, even when I was like a little kid, it was thrilling to be that scared. And it was so fascinating. Dinosaurs were so cool. Um, and it was, it was pretty easy from there. I was just hooked. And we watched that movie constantly. The older I got, just with every year, we would watch it more and more and more at home. Um, we had to get multiple copies of the VHS because we just, we just blew through that VHS. Those, those VHSs were trashed. Um, and, and yeah, I, I experienced, I had experience with it very early on and it just became, it is my favorite movie of all time. My single favorite movie of all time. 
uh, and I just it just grew from there when I first watched it. Yeah, so Russell, what's, what, give me the first time you because you haven't seen this nearly as much as either either of us have. So what's the first time you saw no. Jurassic Park? Honestly, uh, and I like I told you before we started shooting, I had actually seen Lost World and uh, JP3 before I had seen the original. Um, I was nine getting ready to turn 10 in 93, so that dates me. Um, I just wasn't – I mean, I could have been at the, the, the perfect age to go see it. I just never I, – I, I don't know what – in 93, I don't know what the hell was going on in my life, but I just never got I just never got to it. You know, I remember buying it on VHS, and it was one of those ones where I own it, but I just never got around to it. Um, fast forward maybe like 20, 20 years later, I think I finally watched I don't even know why the hell, I, I don't know, I don't remember what, what sparked it, but I, uh, remember watching it and just because I had seen all the other ones, you know, I had seen, you know, Lost World in the theater. I had seen, you know, JP3 in a theater and then the subsequent, <clears throat> you know, the, the relaunch of Jurassic World, I had seen all those in the theater. So, uh, I think it was only a time that I needed to visit to, you know, what, what we have obviously to thank for all these other films and uh, yeah like i said this is probably either my second or third time watching this film literally just watched it today um but uh yeah look looking forward to uh, talking about it yeah and interesting about, about this film like it's coming up coming up with the marketing at least like when you go back and watch that first trailer interesting about it is there's hard there's hardly any dinosaurs in it yeah like you see like a few shots of a foot and, like an eyeball but that's it they kept the dinosaurs very minimal in the trailer so you had to go to the kind of like the a strategy that Godzilla put to perfection a few years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 90, 96, go, I remember that, yeah. 90, 90, or 98, sorry, not 98. Not, not 96, yeah, you, had, you yeah. had to go see the movie to see what they looked like. Yeah, yeah the 90s were excelled. All the blockbusters in the 90s capitalized on that, But whether no matter which one, whether it was Independence Day oh, or, or JP or Godzilla. They, marketing, marketing was at its best. At nineties in nineties with nineties blockbusters, unless Something unless, unless your name is Terminator, and then in which case, half, ah, ah. <laughs> we'll, we'll about never that. have we'll never have it like that though again. And I think you, chance yeah. that you, I think you and I talked about that. I don't think we're gonna get that summer blockbusters like we did in the nineties. Like that stretch that the nineties produced was just uh, off the charts. It was it was an interesting stretch for sure. But we're not here talking yeah. about the whole you know pantheon nineties <laughs> blockbuster. We're talking about this one. So let's get into it. This is Jurassic Park. Now off the bat. This movie does a great job of showing one of its bigger themes, a.k.a. Black Guy Always Dies First, and B, or Black Guy Never Survives, I should say, and B, just the era of mystery, which is something that Steven Spielberg, you, you feel with Caroline Job, because the whole scene where you, they, you see like them lowering this crate, there's like, this all, like 50 dudes, all, all armed with guns, and they're just trying to lower this crate into whatever this like enclosure thing is. But one... Forced, one unfortunate worker just so happened to commit the fatal cinema sin of being black. And so he gets near the cage. <laughs> he picks this time. Whatever's in the cage picks this time to go ape shit. And he died. And just the way that he, he builds this scene, like, in, just builds the intrigue, builds the tension so quick. Yeah. Like, just like he does in, like in Jaws, you know? Like in Jaws, like in so many yeah. other movies he's made. Like you, you, yeah. you're, you're invested right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you said that crime of being black. That guy was, that guy was black in Central America or whatever yeah. at that time. So that that's like that, he shouldn't have been singled out like that. He did. He, they did him dirty. He um, wasn't doing but, nothing either. Just like ah, just, just, just gonna walk away, just doing my but, ah, shit. Yeah, no, you absolutely like like without fail. Like it's no, it's no. You have to be an idiot to argue that Spielberg is one of the greatest. If not the, but absolutely one of the greatest 
filmmakers of all time and his mastery of just of just understanding of framing a scene, setting up a scene, shot composition, understanding, like you said, how to build tension, how to frame it the right way. Um, that's that's evident from the opening scene um, in Jurassic Park and everything that you everything that you said. Um, captures it, puts us right there in the immediacy. We don't even know what the threat is. We can't even we can't even wrap our minds around what it actually is. It doesn't matter because that's how well that's how well it's set up. That's how carefully the shots are chosen, um, and the tension is there immediately. And and you're hooked. You're hooked from that opening those opening minutes. Absolutely. Uh, we then meet we meet two our main characters, uh, Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler. Alan Grant, interestingly enough, uh, Sam Neill, to no surprise, to the surprise of nobody, not the first choice for this role. Uh, initially not a, not offered, initially offered to William Hurt, he turned it down. Offered to oh. Harrison Ford, he turned it down, probably for good, probably for the best, because that just that feel way yeah. too Indiana Jonesy. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, both. But yeah. Both of them turned it down. Dylan McDermott was considered. Tom Sizemore was considered. Kurt Russell was offered, turned it Jeez. down. Uh, so we ultimately landed on Sam Neill. Uh, Ellie Sattler also. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow auditioned for it. Helen Hunt auditioned for it. Uh, one who, there was one who turned it down. I can't remember who it was, but hold on, I, I can I can find that real quick. Uh, oh, that's right. Robin Wright turned it down. <laughs> Not a surprise. Well, I mean, stupid on her, but I yeah, mean, bad move, bad career move on her part. But uh, I like I who we ended up with, though. I, I can't see any other two doing those roles. <laughs> oh yeah, them. worked out for the best, and f- we uh, lucked out. Yeah, think, think more I like best, is a treasure. Thing I like best about Alan Grant is his attitude of fuck these kids. <laughs> they're at they're at this they're at this dig site this exclusive thing that they you know this, like all paleontologists all diggers working here and like they, yeah. they're see like they found a rapt a raptor skeleton uh a raptor fossil under the ground meanwhile this random fucking kid i don't know who this kid is i don't know who's supervising him i don't know if he just stumbled onto this site there's no accounting for the who this kid is it's like that looks so scary as like a like a six foot turkey, and Allegra looks over at the other side. I was like, "Oh yeah, watch watch this." Well, listen here, young androgynous boy. Let me tell you how every which way or Africa to kill. I'm gonna fuck your day up. <laughs> <laughs> the scene makes me stand up and cheer. I have never related to a character so hard as I relate to Doctor Alan Grant and oh. his and his 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 hatred of kids. I recognize the kid though. He was in the Nightmare on Elm Street Five. He was from, uh, the dream. Hey, there you go. That's why I recognized him, and I had to look it up. I had to do some digging, and I was like, "That's why I recognized him." <laughs> the Allegra's complete disregard. This is what this, what, this what Harrison Ford would have worked for this role because his complete disregard <laughs> for everything. He would have been a great for like the grumpy son of a bitch, Alan yeah. Grant. <laughs> It works better. At least, at least I think what one of the things that makes Jurassic Park so great um, is I know Goldblum was a, a big rising star at that time. But at least for me, um, and I think, and I think Dern, Dern was rising as well because she had been in a couple high-profile Lynch films. Um, but um, I think with Sam Neill having an Australian actor who wasn't a uh, A-lister in America, um, I just think the brilliance of casting these leads who weren't big marquee names was essential in not overshadowing the stars of the film, which was the dinosaurs. I think that I, you talk about these, these big actors and these names that got passed up. I I really do think it's for the best. Um, And you know, the movie that we got with the stars that we got, 
worked just worked so well in its favor. You got these excellent character actors, these people who do excel and make the most of their characters um, and make them endearing on a small level without ever distracting from the main event. Yeah. Um, and that that is like a key reason why this works on like the level that it works because it's not like when you watch like the mummy with Tom Cruise and nobody gives a shit about the mummy because we're just watching Tom Cruise like you know like because he has to be the cent- the focus and the star of this story and you would have gotten that too much if you had a really big if you had like a Harrison Ford or a Tom Cruise starring in Jurassic Park you would have had that you know, and I do, I do want to see Tom Cruise in Jurassic Park he would have punched a raptor oh dude I tell you what he would be hanging <laughs> on it like he, he, before he, this is before he's Orlando like, Bloom did and yeah this he's, he's like awesome, he'd, be, he'd be like fuck fuck the jeep I'll, I'll run the t-rex yeah. He would have outran yeah. the T-Rex. Yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll destroy my ankle. I don't care. 30, 30, 32 miles an hour? I can do that. Fuck, that's nothing. You haven't seen me on the treadmill lately. That T-Rex ain't shit. Somebody shit. needs to edit that together right now. Please. Uh, but anyway, we, we, we then move on. We meet another main character in the movie. Uh, right after his helicopter, very dickishly kind of fucks up their dig site. Like, turn the blades off. What? I don't know what this means. Are you in a gang? Don't join a gang. Uh, uh, he's there to pick up a uh, benefactor, uh, John. Ha- I'm gonna forget his name for a second. John Hammond, played by Lord Richard Attenborough. He's someone who's there because he wants the services of both uh, Grant and Sadler. It's like, look, I'm uh, I'm open. I'm on for a few wildlife reserves, but uh, I'm open. Up this, I'm, I'm doing this new thing. And if you come, with, you come with me. Come back. Come back to say, like, you know what? You're doing some good shit. I will fund your next. I will fund your dig for the next three years. But both of them are like, shit. That's a lot of money, and I need it. <laughs> so where do we sign? Where do yeah. we sign? <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut the check. I, I don't even care about the small print. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, really fascinating just to have um, um, this is one of the first points I think in the movie where you just feel the Spielbergian touch in terms of lightening up the mood and lightening up the character and making yeah. it more family friendly because um, John Hammond is an asshole oh, in the book yeah. um, and it's this is a key character switch to just get get a lot more sympathy make a make a more sympathetic character kind of the backbone of this film um and create maintain a sense it, to make this this adventure less mean-spirited to maintain i think the wonder and the innocence of this adventure to balance it out with the danger i think it was a very conscious decision um to make john hammond this um this benevolent figure you know he's just yeah. he's just this innocent like he's just yeah he's making he obviously makes a bunch of mistakes with this park but like they they frame him with casting you know Richard Attenborough as well just just who just looks like Santa Claus he he was Santa yeah, Claus yeah he, 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 <laughs> he, he would be Santa yeah, Claus yeah. the very next year cast Santa yeah. Claus you know nobody's gonna believe Santa Claus is the evil like you know evil you know corporate billionaire psycho. Nobody's going to believe that. Nobody, everybody just wants to pinch his cheeks because he's supposed to be Santa Claus. And I think that was a very, not, not I think it was a very conscious in rewriting that character for the film, which, um, which again, just the rest is history. It's become, it's made it, it's part of one of the reasons it's made as a classic at that point. But I always think that's fascinating. Um, and you could tell, you could tell 
that that is the kind of decision that I think was only made because Spielberg was helming this project, that he had his hands on this project. Yeah, the casting of Attenborough was was an excellent show. At- Attenborough is an excellent actor. He's been an excellent actor yeah. his entire career. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. I love the great filmmaker as well. But yeah, he brings such like this even such a gravitas, but such, like, a, like a warmth to it. Even though you look mm-hmm. what he's doing, like oh no, you're be you're being a very bad businessman. No, bad he's an asshole. Plus. He's not doing it for the right reasons. He even dies in the book. Like yeah. it's just it's just it's just so different than the one that we see in the movie. But it's all good. <laughs> uh, I'm not complaining. <laughs> but uh, the, the the role of the asshole this film is, is filled this next scene by Dennis Nedry, played by Wayne Knight. <laughs> Hello, Newman. <laughs> yes, Newman from Seinfeld, everybody. Uh, he's someone who works at Jurassic Park, and he's being hired for corporate espionage uh, by a man named Dodgson, who we will not mention because that actor is an asshole. Uh, he, he he was can- he was canceled. He's actually going to be in the he's going to be in Jurassic World Dominion, but not played by this actor. Uh, basically, what they want him to do is they want him to go in, steal some dinosaur embryos. And just smug and smuggle them back so they can open their own Jurassic Park. This is a plot line that ultimately goes nowhere, but we're gonna keep touching on it in this movie because <laughs> it takes up a, a pretty big part of the running time. Uh, so, yeah, and you know what? The worst thing Nedry does in this entire movie—he ruins a perfectly good piece of pie. Yeah, that, that Russell Crowe was actually going. Russell Crowe was going role. is going to eat at some point. Oh. <laughs> Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe, or Brendan Fraser. Thing. One of them are gonna, you know, one of them are gonna eat that piece of pie. It'd be very <laughs> they're, upset. They're down. They're down. Uh, yeah. So we're all, we're on our way to the islands, and that's where we meet our last main character. Well, not our last one, but our last adult main character, Ian Malcolm, played by Apex Jeff Goldblum. Like my God, the mullet, the sunglasses, <laughs> the, the waxed chess. Sex on legs, gentlemen. Sex, Sex on, on legs. legs. The tan. The tan. <laughs> the laugh. <laughs> and something I do. Nerds have never looked sexier. He has ne- no. Nerds have never looked better. <laughs> not until, not until uh, Robert Downey Jr. Come, came out with Tony Stark a few years later. Nerds never looked sexier. <laughs> yeah. uh, but something I do like, it's a, it's a subtle touch in this film. Uh, when you look at Ian Malcolm and John Hammond, John Hammond's dressed all in white. Ian, dressed, Ian Malcolm is all in black, which is a way to kind of address yeah. you know, their conflicting viewpoints. Was something that they 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 butt heads a lot in this film, and I do mm-hmm. like you know like that kind of I, I like the use of color in film, so I think I think that's a great touch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, we get we get to this park. First of all, the scene the scenery is just beautiful. This is a, this is a very well shot film. Oh, the cinematography is fantastic. And let's just talk about you know John Williams' score. I don't think that well, again yeah. you know uh, you know you have the perfect you know perfect score. Uh, it's so simplistic I feel like Williams scores but it always sets the mood in these films that he does. Yeah, this this is a uh, this is we'll talk about right here especially cuz this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's where they're driving they're driving out and you just see like everyone reacting to something. Yeah. And then you turn around it's a fucking dinosaur. Yeah. And not only that, it's a CGI dinosaur. And this is and this is crazy because this is a time where CGI wasn't common. This is actually like really played a hand in popularizing the use of CGI. I mean, Terminator 2 kind of did a few years back, but, like, not to this extent. And the funny thing about this no. is when this was being made, like, they originally wanted to do, like, claymation animation dinosaurs, but Spielberg wasn't digging the look, so he was just like, okay, can we do something else? Yeah. Enter, enter ILM, where there's like, hey, we can make we can make you realistic dinosaurs using computers. 
and they looked, and then the dude who was going to do doing the animatronics, but puppetry would be like, he looked, he looked at his like, shit, I'm out of a job. Yeah. I mean, this is four years removed from Titanic, and you know, I, I always, you know, think of the pinnacle of, you know, the how far special effects had gone, even in that four-year frame. You know, how like Titanic was so crisp. But yeah, and well, that's exactly that. That what you said is why they put that line in the movie. That's a line yeah. in the movie. Um, Ian Malcolm or or um, no, yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm said uh, it. Does Malcolm say it or Sam Neill says it? I he think says like, is like he says like I think I'm out of a job, and then Ian Malcolm. Yeah, says, yeah. I, I, you, you mean yeah. extinct. That's why that's in the film. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what the puppeteers. That's exactly the reaction they had when they when they were seeing just the tests. ILM's just tests, um, digital tests, and they were just like, yeah, yeah, it's but over. Yeah, yeah I, I love, <laughs> I'll see myself through the door. Yeah, yep. yep. But I love, I love absolutely everything in this scene, from the score to just the look, just the look of the dinosaurs. Like, and the actors' face. Keep in mind, they're reacting to nothing. As far yeah. as I know, there's like everything is going to be put is going to be put in later with computers. Like, just don't worry about it. Just go, just go do your thing. Um, but yeah, just looking at just looking at this whole the whole composition of the scene, it's it's amazing. And the fact this movie is almost thirty years old, 30. yeah. And the CGI looks better than most movies that come out today. Like yeah. I have se- I have seen less convincing effects in movies I saw last year. It's just a care. It's just a care that Spielberg has going into it. I think when he does stuff, he doesn't half-ass it. I mean, I think that's obviously the difference between. But I mean, he's. I mean, <laughs> the guy's been. Well, I, I say it now, but he's been there, done that. But I'm saying he. I mean, he had his. You know, he look. Look what he did with uh, Jaws. You know how look how real he made that. I mean, this is a, a completely different ballpark, with you know the whole ILM and the you know the special effects that they use. But it, it it holds up. It looks it looks looks clean. It's it's essential because I've I've had conversations about this why why one of the biggest reasons like the special effects like why Jurassic Park still looks so bit or still looks so good um and and it's it's a combination of a lot of things but like the 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 mixture of practical and special effects it's it's the fact that they also they also minimize they don't over rely on digital effects they combine it. They always reinforce constantly, like, okay, there'll be a big wide shot of the T-Rex, but it'll instantly be reinforced. It'll cut to a next scene where we're seeing a puppet or a leg, or we're seeing some physical part of the T-Rex. It's always, there's not, you don't go much longer than like five or eight seconds where we actually see, physically see the animals, the creatures in back in the world right there next to the actors it's always reinforced that they're actually right here like this is not a computer effect they are right here the world is trembling and they're right here um um that's always been that's been one of just one of the things other really huge thing that i've discussed before is the framing of everything which is missing which is missing from the new jurassic world films um is um when you're talking about like shot composition and everything like adherence to the framing like they're the the framing is so tight we're always kept in perspective we're always i mean i it, there i'm sure there are videos where they break this down like frame by frame and shot by shot but like their humans are always kept we're always reminded of the scale um on top of always having um um the animatronics always present throughout this movie always reminding us that these animals are actually here. There's constant. You're constantly getting a sense of the scale, the scope. The 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 animals aren't 
outweighed by like a giant wide shot. The animals are the biggest things in every shot that we're seeing whenever, even whether it's like a Dilophosaurus or the T-Rex or the Brachiosaurus in the, in the, um, when they're in the trees. Um, and all of, it's a combination of all those things. And it's just, just hats off to production. Like they knew, they understood all of these things. And I always say like the rest is history. And that's why, that's why 30 years later, we're still talking about it. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, we th- so they then get to the actual dino center. <laughs> then I, I really got to question John Hammond's timing skills just because, you see, he had this whole video presentation. And we just talking to himself giving intros at the park. Yeah. Is like, you know, explaining, you know, how all this shit is possible. So we find out that the whole way, the way this works out is they use mosquitoes that were basically fossilized in tree sap called amber. They extract blood from those to, you know, basically genetically clone dinosaurs. We find this, we find all this out from John Hammond's DNA, Mr. DNA, who, even though he's Scottish, has a southern accent. Don't ask. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but that's that's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're just like okay, you know, and, and, yeah, as as someone who like you know, I know scientists would work, but like you know what? Yeah, I buy into this. Sure, you you have to have that. You know, in every movie, you have to have that like suspension of disbelief. Yeah. You know, you gotta have to kind of roll with it. Like what they're saying is like, let's go with it. You know. Yeah, so uh, they're on they're on this they're on this whole tour where they're going to you know going all around. They see the dinosaur lab. Alan Grant does not follow the proper procedure because he does not keep his arms and ha- his arms and legs inside the vehicle. No, this really again John Hammond spared spared no expense except for it come came to you know leg rails, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd also there's a line he says it here where John Hammond just like I demand to be present at the, at the birth of every single dinosaur. So wait, so your days are gonna be like so you're gonna be there for every tour. You'll be there for every dinosaur birth. So is your day gonna be like from tours, dinosaur birth, to tours, to dinosaur births? Like you're you are one hard working old man. They're like, sure, Gramps. Okay. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> sure. We'll let you know. Yeah. Uh we then meet the most important person in this franchise. I'm not talking about the dinosaurs, I'm not talking about anybody you see the I'm not talking about anything else you see the lab. Henry Wu, played by B. D. Wong. This dude has five minutes of screen time. <laughs> but in the sequels, Jurassic World and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, they have turned... The, I admire this franchise for this. Because they have turned this dude <laughs> into... Keep in mind, when he's introduced, he's not even at like the focus of the frame. <laughs> but they have turned this dude into the most important person in this franchise, and I find that hilarious. It's so, it's so funny. <laughs> Like, oh, I mean, yeah, it's almost, it almost kind of, I, I, you know, it's funny that you say that. I actually almost kind of think that's ingenious that they did that. It was like, who would, who would still be working on this shit? Like, like, like 20 years later. And it would be this, the, it would be the geneticists. Like it would be, it would be the people who were doing the research on it all this time. They, they would it, it actually kind of makes sense. I don't know about turning him into the villain of the series at this point and everything, but if you're going to call on him, he would still be around, you know, pumping, you know, pumping, uh, you know, sucking, sucking blood out of mosquitoes' butts and, and making dinosaurs. He would still be doing that. Uh, okay. Uh, we, need, we need a link from the first Jurassic Park. Who, 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 who's, who's around? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Go, Goblum, Dern, Neil, all passed. Attenborough's dead. 
Uh, Beatty Wong? Sure, why not? Let's like, go get it. Let's go get kid? No, the kids don't want to be in it. Kids? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I will say that Beatty Wong aged phenomenally well. He looks virtually oh, yeah. he looks virtually no different now than he did in 1993. No, nah, man's got a good trainer. He yeah. does. Uh, but then we start to see like, okay, like the Wonderman's gone, and all, all everyone brought to be everyone brought in the parks just like, yeah, I don't know about this, especially Ian Malcolm, where you know we get his trademark phrase, "Life uh, uh, finds a way." Uh, because yeah, uh, we find out that. You know, they genetically bred, bred all these dinosaurs. They're all female, so they can't breed by themselves. Uh, so they're trying to control... They're trying, basically trying to play God in this case, which, as you know who have you read any science, science fiction novel, usually doesn't end well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We also find out that, much to uh, Alan Grant's chagrin, they are breeding raptors. As you would with a park like this, because this Jurassic, you know, Jurassic World kind of popularized the Velociraptor, which we'll get to later. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> he touched on it like, yeah, breeding raptors probably not the best idea because they're actually really smart. It's not like it's not like a T Rex, which is like a big dumb, a big dumb idiot. No, these, yeah. these things are actually like minorly geniuses. The one guy who's on Hammond's side, of course, is the lawyer. Oh, of course, because he sees. Dollar bills. Dollar, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> dollar, um, dollar, Donald Gennaro. Hey, uh, Grant can act like he was like nervous, but he, he he got a little excited. You could see him get a little. He got a little excited when the thought of there being actual raptors. And he gets there's a part where he's looking in the cage and they're like trying to check out the raptor's cage, and he's just like breathless. He's just like. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just looking around. He's excited. He's a little excited he's about like, the Raptors. Good, good luck, Betsy. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, he's we like, see, I hate you. I hate you all. We see we see we see, we see him like feed feed the Raptor with like a live cow, which for kids that'd be that'd be that'd be kind of be kind of messed up to have kids watch. <laughs> it's like, ooh, a cow. Oh my god. You just hear the sound. You're like, yeah, oh you boy. Hear the, you see this movie and Lake Placid have no respect for cows. They do not. Very few movies do have respect for cows, because that, that goes all the way back to like Monty Python, The Holy Grail. There's no respect for cows in film. Oh, then goats later on, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I do like they, they go and have they go and have dinner. I do like this conversation that Ian Malcolm and John Hammond had because you mm-hmm. you should see their philosophy in this case because Ian Malcolm he's, he's a chaotician. He's someone who has a lot of respect for nature and he believes in he believes in natural selection, all that all that stuff. Uh, and he believes, you know, like I said, like dinosaurs, they have they have their chance, and nature selected them to, you know, not continue. And you know, John Hammond doesn't he doesn't see it that way. He's, he's the he's the more optimist of the two. Again, just 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 about just by the way they dress, like they he's the optimist of the two. He's just like you know what I think that this this is a good thing. We want people to enjoy these animals. We want people to see you know see something. You know, he wants to like enchant people. In a way, you could kind of see this as Sp- like Spielberg like putting himself into this character. Now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, the best sci-fi, the greatest sci-fi films, books, novels, works, the best sci-fi works, and then subsequent films in history always, all the time. At their core, they have an excellent ethical debate at their core, because that's what you need in order to make sci-fi meaningful, lasting, important sci-fi. And one of the, just one of the reasons why Jurassic Park endures is not only because of the visual splendor of it all, but because there is a long-standing um never constant just omnipresent just 
ethical debate at the core of it, you know, of man's role and a man's man playing God and exercising power over nature, that mm-hmm. that fight between man and nature and how much is too much. Um, where do we overstep our our boundaries? What is the right answer? What should we how should we should we take advantage of these gifts because we have the ability? And like and like Malcolm says, just because you can, you know, like they're so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think that they should. You know, um, and that that right there, like that, like I said, that ethical debate, the core, it's the core of any kind of classic sci-fi. And that's absolutely present here. And it's one of the most fascinating parts of the movie. It's one of my favorite. Just that scene, like you said, between him and Hammond. I re- I rewatch that scene as much as I rewatch, you know, dinosaurs eating people because because it's it's excellent. It's excellent film. It's fascinating. It's it's memorable. Um, and it's food for thought and it's timeless. Yeah. I mean, we're still having these conversations. I mean, exactly. It, it might not be that I mean, in some way, shape or form, we're still having these ethical debates and mm-hmm. we're all, we're always going to, so it's still relevant no matter when you look at it. Mm-hmm. That's what makes sci-fi and that's what makes sci-fi resonate beyond yeah. just, you know, visceral thrills, you know, actually makes it lasting, meaningful work. Yeah. This gets it. Yeah, so anyways, the problem, they're, they're still scared about this park. We don't know if it's entirely ready yet. So why not bring two kids here? Because enter John Hammond's grandkids, Tim and Lex. Uh, maybe not, maybe again, maybe uh, you're either the best or the worst grandpa of all time. Yeah. yeah, let me just put my own children, like my own grandchildren in as guinea pigs. Well, you got to blame the parents, so they like knowingly like gave him, you know, the reins on watching his grandchildren That's for the true. summer or whatever, too. I mean, so I'm going to blame bring, the parents a little bit bring, on that too. I'm going to bring the kids to a park with dinosaurs. Live, real I mean, dinosaurs. you're a parent. You're going to ask what the hell, you what? know, what are they going to do? I mean, it's just, honestly, I don't, I don't Hammond know. probably lied to them. Honestly, he probably lied to them. Yeah, probably he's the whole case. We'll start. We're going to an amusement park. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> oh, you'll be amused. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, yeah, we also get want to uh, see dead body kids. Yeah, <laughs> want to see a lot of them. Uh, I also we also get one of my favorite, my favorite moments of any any nineties movie, which is like, oh yeah, this is what technology was back then. Which is like when they get into the they, they have these like automated jeeps that run on a track and take them around the whole like park yeah. to tour the dinosaur exhibits. And they're ran by an interactive CD-ROM. Remember CD-ROM? Interactive CD-ROM. Who needs a Tesla? Come on. (laughs) No, it's so true. But like they have like the money shot, like just like that specific insert, that shot (laughs) of just like, oh look at it, look at it, pressing the screen. So it looks so corny, but it's so innovative because (laughs) it was innovative. Later on, it's like it's the shit that we do now. I mean, you have yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at how high tech this is, but I will say, I love it. It's also worth having the kids here just because, just so Alan Grant can have one more to say, "Fuck you," because Ellie's, <laughs> uh, Ellie's, yeah. because like Ellie's trying to push the kids to like hang out with Alan Grant, mostly, mostly Tim because Tim's really on dinosaurs. And yeah, I'm gonna say right now, I, I to this day, I can't tell are are Alan Grant and Ellie Sadler, you know, they're doing they're doing this, they're banging. The horizontal tango. Are they? Are they the? They're the FWB. I think they're friends with benefits. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't. I really, really don't know. I think most of the movie that we didn't see and they didn't write in is that yeah they they were they were colleagues who did bang, yeah. and um and they they kept their relationship professional. They didn't choose to be a couple, but and Grant thinks that she's the one that got away. I bet. 
Oh yeah, he's still gonna yeah, side eye anytime a guy absolutely. hits on her. Yeah, because well, yeah, even when Ian, even when Ian does it, he gets so uh, offensive. <laughs> or defensive, I, mean, I should he, say. He doesn't say that's my woman, but because yeah. he can't, because she's not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but he's just like. But yeah, you know, I just well, want, yeah, want but, it both ways. But like, but like Alan Grant, like he just like he pawns up both kids on the lawyers. It's just like, it's like an awkward <laughs> ass, awkward ass car ride. We're just like, <laughs> I, I like it because I he asked the kid what what uh, what car does he want to ride, and he goes, "Oh, with you." So then he gets out of the car and then he escorts him over to the other car, thinking that oh he's going to go to that car, and then he just slams the door and he goes right back to the other car. Ruthless <laughs> man. Oh, he packs in. I love it. Spielberg packs in as much comedy, as much just just brilliant, just gentle comedy as he can before he he puts in as much as he can to the first hour of the movie before yeah. it's just all just it's just a terror, like a thrill ride for the last hour of the movie. But he puts in he builds as much as he can. Just humor, character work, wonder, um, discussion, debate, discourse, everything and no shortage of humor in the first hour. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we then get to the so we then get the tour. The tour is underway, uh, orchestrated by Samuel L. Jackson, who he kind of had a habit of this for Pulp Fiction. He's popped up in random things. This Goodfellas coming to America. Like yeah. there's so many random movies where Samuel Jackson just, pop, just pops up. Jungle Fever. Jungle Fever. <laughs> Men's Society. That was, that was before Pulp Fiction, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, close enough. Same yeah, what, me, close did enough. you say Menace of Society? Yeah, yeah. Menace of Society was what ninety three, wasn't oh, yeah, it? it was, actually, I think, yeah, I think it was ninety three. Was ninety ninety uh, ninety four? Definitely ninety four. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, you're. Yeah. yeah, it's a year prior. But yeah, yeah and, this, think... and this tour, while great in concept, uh, it's basically like like the worst. Like you go to the zoo on the worst day, where like <laughs> you can't like all the animals are, like hidden away, be, and you can't see them; and they're not moving. <laughs> There's no animals in there. There's what no the animals. hell? I want my money back. <laughs> yeah. Rip off. Yeah. You've taken me to an empty park. Damn you. I call shenanigans. They get to the they get to the T Rex enclosure. And like it's it's not there. I don't know where I think this thing <laughs> hides, but it's not here. <laughs> biggest uh, fucking dinosaur. Yeah, biggest dinosaur. Well, one of the biggest dinosaurs on the park. <laughs> Can't find it. But like they're also not set up optimally on this because there's like there's this enclosure with like all kinds of like trees and bushes. Like, I know these things are big, but like, think like it's also like things. beyond the um, like beyond just the fence around the track. Beyond that, it's just the the island. Like 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 they're not even like properly their their pens as they would call it is still they're still really large, and it's not like the T Rex is just gonna sit like a like a dog. Like up front, like next to <laughs> next to the fence while the cars are coming by, not, and just be chill. Just not very well thought out. He's not even gonna get it for a goat. <laughs> no. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, that yeah, goat's just like. Why am I here? Yeah, I'm, just going, I'm just going. Just take a seat. Like, I'm not eating. I'm not eating that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we can we can we continue on this tour. The tour. The tour continues. Uh. Like you said, uh, Ian Malcolm has to hit, has to hit on uh, Ellie Sadler, to which Alan <laughs> Grant's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna, I don't need to sit here and watch this. <laughs> yeah, which, by the way, why the fuck would you have these doors open at will in the middle of the tour? What's yeah, that like you said? Spare no expense? Is it for child yeah. locks? <laughs> Muldoon yeah. knew. Yeah, he was bitching about it. Yeah. Uh, but then, then we see 
the first real the first real dinosaur was actually the first real dinosaur any of the cast saw the the Triceratops, mm-hmm. which yeah completely animatronic, and, and, and as, as good as CGI is in this movie, it's nice to have something, something tangible every now and then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That thing, look, there's no question in your mind that that's an actual Triceratops that's there. You know it's an animatronic, but the detail, <laughs> the level of detail, Stan Winslow and all of them, the level of detail that they put into it, that's a real Triceratops to me. Yeah. You cannot convince me that it's not a real Triceratops. I, I, can go yeah. to uni- I can go to Universal, I can get on the Jurassic Park ride and see that Triceratops. That's how real it is. <laughs> but yeah, so the Triceratops is sick. I I I love I love this but again this, this this little aspect of it it's like this was Indian lilac yeah but they don't need it why the fuck is it here then yeah. get rid of it <sighs> yeah but yeah. also you like, mean, that, you, that, you that mean also, this pointless plant yeah that also begs the question <laughs> you put here begs the question that you don't you don't think of like again with movies this good you don't think of like little things like this but like these things were cloned via blood from a mosquito how did they clone old plants how did they make these things. You know, you know, you know how they made it. Doesn't matter. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Movie is so, movie is so good. You don't <laughs> question it. They're just gonna rush and roulette it. Fuck it. They're gonna eat this. <laughs> they're, if they're hungry enough, they'll eat it. <laughs> Either eat it or starve. <laughs> don't matter. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's a hurricane. Go- there's a hurricane going on that same night. Again, what are the what are the fucking odds? All this shit goes wrong on the same day. Uh, which funny enough, like during filming, there's actually a hurricane on this isle- on the island they were shooting oh, really? on. So what they did was they're like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just shoot some of the exterior hurricane scene. We're not, we're not, I am not going to waste a day shooting. I'm Steven Spielberg. I won an Oscar, or I'm going to win an Oscar. Nature, <laughs> gives, it, nature gives it to you, man. Shoot it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're, go- they're going in, and Nedry is executing his plan to steal these embryos, which entails shutting down park secure, or, you know, the power in the park. Uh, yeah, uh, Nedry's kind of a dick because there are children out there. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No. He, he gave yeah. his money. Uh, he, he gets out. He's going. He's going to do his thing. Uh, only problem is, he shut off. He shut off all the security gates or all the electronic security gates to power off of them. So yeah, uh, there's now no power. And then this is, this is another one of my favorite. There, there are three scenes, of the, three scenes of this movie that I just go back to all the time, and I consider my favorite. This is another one of them. It's a scene where they're sitting right next. They're sitting right next to the T Rex enclosure, mm-hmm. and then like you see the glass, you hear the, you see like the vibrations the, uh, going. Yeah, infamous. Yeah, the the goat is missing. He's like, where'd the goat go? You see a like a bloody leg just land on the car. Don't even know. Yeah. Don't even know how it got there. You just like eat it. And it's like you know what? Pick. I'm here, bitch. <laughs> and then you see this. This. This is the money shot right here. You see the T-Rex just get out of this thing, and you hear that iconic roar. Which I don't know what a T-Rex sounded like, but this is what a T-Rex sounds like. Yeah. And yeah, this is. I think the darkness and like the rain in this case helped because like this T Rex looks this I, to me this is one of if not the best effect in the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you said, that money shot when it first steps, when it first out, steps out, out of the enclosure, that's that's the money shot. That is the best looking 
I think, special effects shot in the whole film. And the elements, to your point, help. I think that I ha- it had to be strategic. I mean, it's it's the T-Rex, the special effects do look good in, like, the daytime shots. But, like, they obviously there's another layer you can mask um, a lot of you things. Mask, that the eye, yeah. yeah, you can mask yeah. a lot more when you throw the elements in to kind of mask um, um, CGI, the weaknesses of CGI or the 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 um the imperfections or whatever imperfections exactly exactly and this this debut scene for them to debut the trx in the in the pouring rain was the right move um clearly paid off um and elevated it in a lot of ways and made it just seem even even more real than you could possibly imagined yeah and so the the trx gets out Gennaro's like you know what fuck these kids i'm i'm gone (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you gotta go. You gotta go. You gotta, yeah. You gotta go. You gotta go. But then, so, uh, so Ian, uh, Ian, and uh, Grant are sitting in the jeep, and they're just like, "Don't move. They move a vision. You don't see this. So they, they, don't, they, they move a vision. Stay, stay still. They won't see you." Cue, cue Lex with a fucking flashlight. Which even if you don't know these T Rex have movement based vision, you don't do this. You, no, no, it's but... like it's almost like a, one of those like deer spot things. The light's so bright. Yeah, and like for a lot of these scenes, I still, I still to this day don't know what she was doing. <laughs> She's like, could, could you not see it? Like, did you need? Were you trying to yes. shine the light on it so you could see it better? Like, yeah. what were you doing? You it was walking like, away from you. Why did yeah. you just like, hey, hey, wait, come back? Were you trying to signal the car behind you that hey, we're here? It's like he knows he can fucking see you. You're there. It's chill, you know. We'll never yeah. understand what she was yeah. doing with that flashlight. To this day, I will never get it. Um, but yeah, like it, it, they're also, they're just kids. And one of the great things about that is how, like how, so it just creates those rules just right there with like Grant saying like, don't move. Cause I can't see if you move It just suddenly just rack, like the tension just goes up 10 times more because we know something now that like the kids don't know, yeah. you know? And so we just get to see them make the mistakes and it's just like, Oh my God, Oh fuck. You know, yeah. it just, it just makes an unbearably tense and terrifying situation, even more terrifying. It's just, just, just genius. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, animatronic work for this scene regarding regarding the Jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like the way like he just like is it's a violent attack on this Jeep, and you and you feel like you feel bad for Lex because she got brought on herself. But you feel bad for Tim. He's like, shut out the light, like what the fuck are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> uh, but so, <laughs> I do I also do like a bit where like T Rex crashes through the roof. And like they had to like use like like all their like arms and legs. You would think the full force of a T Rex crashing down would like snap their like snap their limbs. Ooh, yeah, and, and that like and the the glass of the, and the, uh, gla- the windshield. What kind like, of that glass thing? Is this? Yeah, it's like is it bulletproof? Like like he's like like that thing would have shattered. Right, yeah. like I, it would be very perplexing if they had bulletproof glass on their dinosaur tour. Yeah, um, for all those those gat those gat wielding dinosaurs out there, I don't know, yeah. but um, extra reinforcement. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> True, that's fair. That's fair. Spare, um, but spare, yeah, spare like no he already broke so no kind of through the glass a little bit, so you'd think that it would just yeah, those kids would be toast. It would be it would be toast. So Alan Grant lights a flare, throws it into the penny. He's like, "Hey, get get out of here, Dino. Go." Ian Malcolm in his infinite fucking wisdom. <laughs> Life pops another one off, like, "Hey, over here!" It's like, but dude, bro, this is this is no time for a pissing contest. Save that for. And Ellie's not even here. Like, she's not, she's not gonna be impressed with you. Save it for later. Uh, so T Rex attack ensues. Gennaro gets eaten off a toilet, which is maybe the best use of a lawyer ever in a movie. 
pretty much. But also, I, I, want, just I, want, I do want to. I just want to take a shit. I do just want to address. <laughs> I just want to address like his shorts get like six inches shorter, like right in this scene. Yeah. And Gennaro hey, got some legs. Hey, pull Chris Pratt. It's Central America. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> uh, so the t- the. Uh, they they escape back into the T Rex pen, which this is something I got to address. That's something I noticed on a very first watch of this movie, when I was on VHS, because that's where I come from. Uh, when when they when uh, Grant and the kids go in a T Rex pen, there's like a fifty foot drop. It came out of nowhere. That was clearly not there earlier. Yeah, it just it magically appeared. Yeah, just like what, how did how did T Rex get out of here? There's a fifty foot drop. No, just one of the many many inconsistencies cont- continuity errors that just that just they're just like just, just keep it moving just don't worry about it mm-hmm. there was no there was no drop at any point we saw that scene especially during the day we saw that paddock from every which angle when they were first arriving there there was no 50 foot drop no no but call, the scene called for a 50 foot drop call, you know, call shenanigans on this one <laughs> something i also call shenanigans on is their use of like a cartoon sound effects because it is because we cut back to nedry Who's trying to, you know, escape and get? He's trying to get his money, and then he falls in like this waterfall. And they, they had the gall to cool like the whew sound effects. <laughs> it's like was the, was, the, was the sound dude gone? Was he, was he on? Was he on lunch? <laughs> like whatever. Bad. Yeah. Somebody snuck that in right before the final edit. <laughs> that's 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 all I can. That's Gosh, all I can like, surmise. Uh, is, that, is that a wee sound effect? Did time to edit that out? <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, it's fine. No, ain't no one gonna notice. <laughs> But but ne- but Nedry does get his because he encounters a dinosaur, which is a Dilophosaurus, which is what we're told is they are they're some of the first dinosaurs, and they had a penchant for spitting toxin. Uh, that promptly that promptly happens, uh, and not, not only that, but like, there's two of them, one who like spat acid at him, and another who I'm, I'm just I'm assuming they just have like, this whole talk, but it's like hey yo yo, look distract this dude, you you keep this dude busy, spit some acid in his face. And I'm gonna go get in this fucking car. It's gonna be. We gonna eat. You think that was a different one? You don't think? I always thought that was the same was one. It the you same think that's one? A one. I don't. It could. It could be the same one. But there's. There is enough time for him to get in the car. Oh, I never thought about that. That when the door was open, that another the, one jumped in. Yeah, the the, the, door, the door's wide open. So I. Yeah. I always thought. It, I always thought it was another one, but it could, it could very well be the same one. He just like high step Nedry at some point. Again, continuity. If the, t- if, if the, t- if the T-Rex can high step, why not? Why not this thing? True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, from then we, um, Alan, Alan, and the kids are on their own adventure. You know, they're, they, you know, he's, take, he's taking care of them, taking them under the wing because you know, there's, there's a, they're on an island, a park full of, of man-eating dinosaurs. They need someone to keep these kids safe. And this is a scene I, re- I really like because throughout, this, throughout the film so far, he's carrying this raptor talon. Which he used to scare the fuck out of that little androgynous boy. He's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna cut you up in here and here, spill out your guts. And then right when they're laying in the tree, he takes it out of his pocket and he throws it away. Which I always saw that as like a symbolic nature of him, like you know, getting over his prejudice of kids, and you know, just like accepting the fact that you know, like you know, kids ain't kids ain't so bad. <laughs> we, we gonna have some this. kids. We, we gonna, gonna have some kids when this is all done. Laura <laughs> Dar, we got some kids. <laughs> I have a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's what that's what we like. That's what that's the least you can ask for, you know, especially in a movie where I said before how, you know, the the they don't the the uh, 
humans don't upstage the dinosaurs, but that's also, which you don't see in many of these movies, the humans aren't a waste of time. The humans also have their own journey. And even though they're, they're not like the big main spectacle and attraction, I love that you're still, you still are. The humans have enough character, enough flaws, like character flaws, like Grant and his hatred of kids and stuff like that. And Ian's like a, like a, he's, he's, you know, he's all over the place. He's a chaotician. Like they've all got these like flaws, but you're still invested in their journey, which I think is really awesome. And like, you do care about that. Like you care. I, that's one of the memorable things for the movie for me too, is how is Alan Grant's like his character flaws and his growth in that movie. I remember that just as much as I remember how awesome the dinosaurs are, you know? Absolutely. Uh, we also had the other sec, which is all the other adults getting together in the control center. They find Ian Malcolm. They get into a admittedly pretty sweet chase with the T-Rex, even though they're in a Jeep. They should be able to easily outrun this thing. They said they clocked they clock, they, they clock the T-Rex at 32 miles an hour. Jeeps can yeah, go a Jeep little faster go, than that. Jeep goes 33 miles an hour. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it, it doesn't go any faster. <laughs> I, I feel like, like John Connor T2. I gotta walk faster than this. <laughs> Uh, well, you always makes me wonder because that was definitely um, um, stick shift. That was definitely a manual. Oh, and I always did, wonder you, what would happen in the cut where the car stalls. Because <laughs> 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 right? Goldblum's leaning all over that stick shift. You know, <laughs> there's where's the take? Where's the alternative take where that car fucking stalls? Stalls out. All right. <laughs> Very different ending. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what would have happened. Character growth. We have probably my favorite Attenborough scene in this entire film, which is where he's sitting in his in his on this table and the the, mess, the you know the, the food area he, eating this sad melted ice cream, and he's you know he's talking about you know how like when he first came when he first you know, came to America his first trip with the flea circus, and like it was a big hit, but he it didn't fulfill him because he felt like he he didn't feel real, which is why he spends so much of his life like doing like in, like you know conservative like you know like wildlife conservatives and like you know doing things like giving people some wow factor and mm -hmm. this is this kind of like what he's all about like he's just like you know i want to people something real want to get like this is this is all my hopes and dreams and it's all melted symbol symbolism, symbolism. yeah <laughs> but <laughs> despite this he ain't learned a goddamn thing because he's like you know what next time we're gonna do this right I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hire Seinfeld's own Wayne Knights. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're gonna get right. better security. No, no, no more Newman. No more Newman. Where <laughs> <laughs> Ellie was like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" Seriously, she's like, "Did you not just learn anything? You ain't learned that. You ain't learned that goddamn thing, John Hammond." Mm -hmm. No, another again Spielberg preserving the innocence of this character and really, really, really trying to spin it uh, that we get a lot of sympathy and you do because, like you said, it's a great, it's a great scene. It's another great character scene in the movie um, that adds another layer to making John Hammond more than just like a greedy, just like corporate asshole, you know, who is just making animals for profit. You know, yeah, it's a smart move. Absolutely. So we go back to the we go back to Grant and the kids. They have a really nice encounter with a Brachiosaurus, which is a fantastic animatronic. I just want to say that right there. Like it look, just it, lo it looks. I've never seen a real dinosaur, but it look that's a real dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Uh, you know they have that like you know they come in, they're petting. Lex get gets used the tissue, which is great. <laughs> I, just, I just love like the horrified look on her face. She's like, "Don't talk to me. Don't yeah. don't touch me." <laughs> These kids are going to need some counseling after this film. Yeah, yeah. That, that chick's having a bad day. 
<laughs> a lot of therapy. <laughs> a lot of therapy after this. But then we get the ultimate twist. See, we're told up to this point that all the dinosaurs on this island are female. But we happen to find a nest of eggs. What? How could that be, you may think? Hmm. Well, you see, it's explained earlier by Mr. By Mr. Southern DNA that uh, tree frog DNA was used in order to complete the strands of the dino DNA that were missing. And there just happened to be species of frogs that do are able to switch sex when there are no males around. So, yeah, well, he said it, life found a way. <laughs> let, the, let, the, let the record show. They, ex- they exploit the fuck out of this plot hole in Jurassic World. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they take it, they take it to level 10. <laughs> tree, tree frogs or whatever. <laughs> Cuttlefish. Whatever. Maybe, maybe oh, remember it. that thing that we already knew was a mistake from the first movie? Because <laughs> we took one specific type of tree frog? Well, let's just take 25 more species, knowing that that's a risk and that that happened. And that they mutated because we used one specific species. Let's just throw everything else in these new dinosaurs 20 years later. What could go wrong? That's a conversation for, for another day. Uh, for right now, they're, try- they're trying to determine how to, tur- how to turn the power back on. Uh, there, now, there is a thing where you can you know, just shut everything off and reboot the system, like give a hard reboot to the system. And that, but that would interfere with, with you know, the dinosaur's lysine problem. Yeah, they have a genetic, they have a def- the genetic defect where uh, they can't produce lysine. So if they don't get enough lysine to show you to buy the actual people, they go into a coma and die. Something I guess they evolved past in uh, further sequels, because it's only mentioned in one other one. Lysine's never mentioned in <laughs> three, four, or five. So mm-hmm. I, I guess I guess they just got over their lysine defic- deficiency. They solved that shit in the very next movie. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> oh yeah, we got, we got all these plants that are, that are really rich in lysine. <laughs> they just happen to be rich in lysine. What, what, what are we supposed to do? Uh, so we get uh, one of the same of Dyson Laconic Line, hold on to your butts. They... They switch, they switch it off, switch it back on, and it works. Uh, only thing is, they need, you know, systems are back online, but they need to go and restore the power manually. Now, who do they send to do this? Hmm. Eeny, meeny, miny, black guy. You're going. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He's like, okay, about right. like three minutes. I, I could do this. Now, subsequently... Not only that, but they don't even give him a weapon. No, again, I, I, I bring that up. When there's a wall of guns right Sub- next to everybody. Subsequently, <laughs> like, they, we come back to him later. The three minutes have, got, have gone and passed. Like, it's taking too long. We got to send someone after him. Uh, Sadler's like, I'll go. He's like, you're not going alone. Where the fuck were you volunteering when the black guy had to leave? <laughs> Wait a minute, there's dinosaurs out there. <laughs> I mean, they even gave Will Ferrell a wooden gun and the other guys. I mean, you could at least done that. You know? Yeah, at, at, at least give the dude a stick <laughs> at least try give him a taser give him something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like this they, yeah like they, they are they armed the team they go with escorts they get maps <laughs> it's like what, what, where, where was all this support when the black guy and the fact is like the incl- the, the power station they need to get to is not far away <laughs> it's like 10 feet away just go with just go with the dude seriously like, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going ten feet on this island without without some backup. 
Oh, one of the things I've, I've said it, one of the things I find so endearing is, is I, at this point, after all these years, I found, I find these things endearing about this film, you know? Yeah. Uh, so they end up going to, they, so they, they go to the power station, we pass the Raptor enclosure, we find out that the thing is open. Raptors are, have busted out, which again, not, again, not good news. In a series of not good news, this is, not, this is major not good news. The, but, they, but they get to the power station, no problem. They prime, they prime the system back up, and, they, and she has to reboot all the systems one by one. This is probably the most tense scene without any dinosaurs in it, because there's a whole list of systems that, that she has to turn back on manually. Last one, <laughs> it's electric fences. While Tim, while Tim, Grant, and Lex are all climbing this thing to get to get down, get over, get over back to the place. So they they go. Two of them get down, but Tim suddenly remembers. Oh yeah, I'm scared of heights. It's like wrestling when they're try, trying to climb up for the belt. It's like, oh wait, we gotta slow down. We gotta slow down. We gotta wait. <laughs> Make that grand grand finale. That reach for the belt. It's like Tim, just jump. Just jump. I'll catch you, Tim. I mean, he, he caught him anyway. I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sure he got flung. Oh, no, they're like... Tim got serious air that day. They're going, like, okay, jump at th- three, two, good zap! Yeah. <laughs> get thrown out the fence like a rag doll. Timmy thought he had wings for a second. <laughs> air Timmy. I just imagine another cut. I just I just imagine parody cuts all the time in my head. I just imagine R. Kelly just 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 singing, just just, just singing as Tim flies through the sky. I'm sure, I'm sure that goes. Right. If if Vine was around 1993 or 1996, that would be a cut. Absolutely, or, or like TikTok they'd or something. All, they'd have been all over though. Yeah, yeah. Next morning, you would have seen that shit. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, we we cut we cut back to we yeah uh, in the, uh, you know surprise turn of events another another black guy dies in the in Jurassic Park, <laughs> uh, but then Roland comes face to face with the Raptors. Now earlier th- I I love a bit of foreshadowing because earlier when again when Samuel's scaring the fuck out of this one androgynous kid, uh, he's like, he's telling how Raptors hunt. It's like they hunt they hunt like you you, th- you lock your eyes with them. You think you're safe. You think you're good. Wrong, because while you're focusing on that one. You get ones from the sides. Not from the fronts, the sides. So Roland locks eyes with one. He's about to shoot. As soon as he gets ready, you see a raptor peer in. Again, I love that payoff. I love that setup. And I really do think Jurassic Park is to credit for the popularization of the Velociraptor. Because before this, it was all T-Rex, 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 Triceratops, Stegosaurus, T-Rex, 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 T-Rex. But this mm-hmm. show's like, no, but Ross Raptors are, fuck, are way scarier. Why? Because they're way smarter. Yeah. They're smarter. They're smaller. They'll follow you into the house and kill you. Like, you know, there's, there's, that's, that's, it's brilliant. It's like, we, we were so used to up until that point. I mean, I, in general, like you're used to dinosaurs being these giant beasts, you know, and they're intimidating because of their size and that's what makes them scary. But like even what we see with the T-Rex where there's a way to like, just don't move and he can't even see you. You could be standing right in yeah. front of him and he can't even see you, which we see in the movie. Like there are ways to evade him. Like, you know, there are ways around him. Just go into, I mean, not go into an outhouse, but go into, go into a building. You could probably get away from him. Um, and a raptor's like, no, raptors will follow you into the building don't even close the door because they'll just open the door and follow you in. It's it's complete. It's terrifying. It's a completely new, more lethal predator that's going to follow you into your bedroom. It's going to sneak into your bedroom and get you. And they're going to plot the whole way. It's 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 terrifying. 
No, yeah. So because you know they get they get back to they get back to the you know the main building. Tim likes are eating, and the Velociraptors do end up following them in, which is you know Ellie's <laughs> like you know what they're, they're gonna be fine. You know Raptors Raptors can't open doors. <laughs> guess what? Guess what they can do. <laughs> Raptors can in fact open doors. Uh, they, they didn't they didn't specify to lock the door. So then, again, kids, that's on you. But again, another like really phenomenal scene in this film is, and people have talked about this a lot. This is mentioned a lot when it comes to favorite scenes of this film. The Raptors in the kitchen scene. Which so, much like, so much tension. So much tension. So much like close, like close quarters, like sneaking around. It's like it's like, it's like like metal, like Metal Gear Solid meets meets like a thing like a zombie, like a zombie flick with raptors. It's like it's claustrophobic too because it's in a tight area, so that gets you oh, even really more tense. Oh yeah, so much like yeah. Where do you go when you're trapped in a room and you can't escape? Like, ugh. Especially because there's two of them, so it's like you know. Yeah, and, the, and you're, de- you're dealing with a smarter animal. You're in an enclosed mm-hmm. location. There's things all around you that if you knock over, they're instantly going to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so there's so much there's so much about this scene that works. And honestly, to this day, like I don't think I can look another industrial. Ki- not a lot of people feel this way. I cannot look another industrial like industrial sized kitchen and not think Velociraptors. Yeah, no, and it's sure. brilliant the way the way that Spielberg uses the space. He photographs the space, and he uses the space, and he uses the things in the kitchen to make to create tense scenes. Like, just I always, I never forgot that that scene where Lex is hiding, I guess, in just a little, I don't even know what you call it. Oh, that's the I, I don't, that little pantry, yeah, the slide door pantry, little and door, the, the, yeah, yeah, and the way they, they use, they played with the reflections in that. Um, that that used to get me so much when I was first watching that. Yeah. That's it's brilliant like that 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 moment is terrifying where you think that you think that he's running up on her but it's just her reflection against um against uh like another just angled against another door absolutely so they end up getting out of the kitchen they reunite with grant and sadler uh they get back to the control room uh but the raptors continue raptor continues to follow <laughs> uh but here's the good thing they, get, they have to reboot the system and it <laughs> happens to be the computer system that lex knows how to work what are the odds of that? Honestly, haven't you just hired her, hired his granddaughter? Seriously, dude. You, you, she would have been even cheaper than Nedry. Yeah, you, you, do you sure. think he's above child labor? <laughs> she she did that for free, and it looked good on the resume. Exactly, since we know he's a cheapskate when he comes to his employees. <laughs> Come in, I'll give you six six bucks and a bag of Skittles. There you go. There's your, there's your pay. I'll give you annual passes for your friends. You'll thank me later. <laughs> Exactly. Thanks, Grandpa. <laughs> there's any friends you don't, there's any friends you don't like, give them an annual pass. Absolutely, it'll be their last, a last pass. <laughs> so you got, you got Grant, you got Grant, you got Grant holding the door. Sadler helping, trying to reach for a shotgun. Lex is hacking. Tim is patting on her chair, telling her to go faster. Wait, Tim, what the fuck are you doing? Go, go hand Ellie the shotgun. Yeah, feels like Ellie's. Or it feels like Ellie or. Uh, Lex, it feels like she's in Swordfish, the movie. <laughs> oh, yes. Hacking skills and shit, high pressure, yeah, high pressure yeah. hacking. Yeah. <laughs> With intense music playing. My favorite. It's like. No, go ahead. No, I was just I was just saying real quick, tied into that. Like my favorite is that like in the background, um, you see her while while she's while like the camera's zooming in and she's like intensely hacking. Um, you just see Tim in the background, just like, ee! like just like just like you could just see him bouncing, like panicking and just like like grabbing his hair. Like it's act his screen direction, his set direction actively was just like stand and be look visibly panicked 
That's yeah. what that's what Spielberg that's told him to do. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't go for the gun. <laughs> do not you say you don't touch that gun, Timmy. You stay there. Yeah. Uh, but they manage to get, they get it out, but they're cornered by all of Lost Chapters again, and it looks like a really really dire, really hopeless situation. How are they going to get out of here? Who comes to save the day? Samuel L. Jackson. He's alive. No, just kidding. I wish. <laughs> Curveball. Curveball. <laughs> Plot twist. <laughs> No, coming to save the day is the T-Rex, which is such a triumphant scene. You don't even question how this thing snuck up. You don't even question how this thing that shakes the ground when it walks manages to sneak into this place undetected. Boy had his memory foam shoes on. That There you go. No, that will become a trend in the series. Gigantic dinosaurs sneaking up on people will become a trend in each one of these films. Just wait. At least one. <laughs> nobody, ha- nobody had any glasses of water out, so they didn't. They, they weren't able to. <laughs> right. able to nobody could hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's no water. You're, they're good. But I do like the aspect of the t- of the T Rex ultimately being the hero of the movie, just because you know the T Rex says that like, but you know, kind of like kind of like a great white shark. You know, like that's the thing you to be scared of. But I, I like the way people plays with it. It's like, oh, you know what? No, we're gonna, we're gonna make this the, like the saving grace of everything. You're yeah. gonna be thank you, like thank you, T Rex, for showing up. And uh, not to compare it, like it wouldn't know this because it wouldn't know the movies that are following. But looking at what we have with hindsight here, and looking at a perspective with uh, the gift of hindsight, is that at least this movie, like you, you still feel like how triumphant that is. And at least you could say that this kind of yes, while it was probably implausible, and you're like. This is the last, this is the one where um, at least, because we have, they sell these like, oh, dino versus dino kind of battles are really big on those in the following ones. But this is the one where actually it still kind of makes sense. It still kind of feels like like animals are acting like animals would act instead of them applying like really like like hero narratives and hero consciousness onto the animals, which they or, take or, to kind of like, like, like extreme in the later ones they giving, still giving kind of get away with it giving so that's why this still res- holds up giving knowing yeah. nods of respect to each other after a fight yeah yeah like, well, it's, like, more, like, yeah. We like <laughs> it's more a circle of life i mean like the feeding chain like you would expect a bigger mm-hmm. animal to prey on a smaller animal so i mean it's just like human nature I, that that it makes it more sense right right exactly yeah so uh they they they, they escape uh everyone everyone is full blown off the Jurassic Park train John Hammond, uh, John Hammond, Alan Grant, Ian Malcolm was never on the train. <laughs> the kids, <laughs> everyone, the, the the deceased army Samuel L. Jackson, everyone's off the train. They we'll, get back. Will not be li- leaving a positive Yelp review. <laughs> will not be leaving a positive Yelp <laughs> review. <laughs> will Zero. not recommend this place. <laughs> the the ice cream wasn't even cold. Zero stars. Yeah. I mean, come on. They don't even have a proper cooling system there. <laughs> would not recommend. Would not recommend. Uh, it's like McDonald's or ice cream machines broke. <laughs> it's broken. It's always broken. <laughs> it's always broken. Uh, they fly off in the helicopter. We see Grant embrace the kids one more time and giving a look to Ellie, signifying, "You know what? We can do I'm this. Ready I'm ready. I'm ready for them kids." <laughs> a scene that She's like, I'm so hot for you right now. <laughs> a scene that would be literally ripped apart by Jurassic, by Jurassic Park three a few years later. But we're, that's again, no discussion for another day. Uh, and that's where the movie ends. So, Marisol, final thoughts on Jurassic Park? Um, I can't say enough great things about this movie. I'm clearly, clearly I can't because it is my my number one favorite movie of all time. I've seen it so many times and still holds up for all the reasons that I detailed um, because it is, um, it is visual spectacle. It still holds up. It's still 
it sets a standard for special effects. It sets a standard for using special effects wisely, which is we can learn a lot looking back on it and learning how you make an effective um, blockbuster, how you make an effective spectacle without going overboard with special effects, but still creating the sense of something extraordinary by balancing it with um, heavy use of practical effects. Um, this is this is a textbook example how you bring how you bring the most cutting edge modern technology into something, but incorporate just classic Hollywood craft um, to make a blockbuster that feels ageless that will always age well. I I'm, I'm going to say it. This thing will always age well. This will always look great because it's so grounded in the real world. The the, the technical aspect of it um, and part of the ingenuity of it is always is always grounded in the real world. That's why it has the legs to last. Um, if you if you've never seen it, I implore you to see it. Um, it it became a box office champion um, in an era where that really didn't matter. Um, and it became it for a reason because there was something actually bringing, not because tickets were like $30 a pop, but because something was genuinely bringing people back to the theaters to see this event all the time. And it's reflected in this movie. Um, everything that I've said about it, it's, it's, it's not because it's a movie completely without flaws, but what it does, it just does so well. And in terms of blockbuster filmmaking, it's, it's, it's exemplary. Um, it doesn't forget its characters. Um, it's human drama is as interesting and well acted and, and worth investing in as the giant spectacle. And it mixes everything. Spielberg uses his family film touch to it, brings in um, the horror aspect, brings in the adventure aspect, brings in comedy, brings in drama, brings in stakes. It has everything. Um, and I can't say enough great things about Jurassic Park. I'm a, I'm a fan. Clearly. Uh, Russell, this is, this is your first time revisiting this film in quite some time. Uh, what do yeah. you, uh, how, does, how does it hold up for you? I mean, like kind of what Marisol said, I mean, it, it holds up. I mean, it kind of like what Marisol said, kind of just like going off on that, um, like how Spielberg kind of like masks the environment around the special effects to try to make it look more real, more realistic. You know what I mean? Um, like we were talking and obviously in the review about the rain coming down, kind of masking the whole T-Rex, uh, you know what I mean? Special effects for that. But overall, I mean, it, this, there's a reason why this is a classic film. I mean, Spielberg, you know, directs the hell out of this film. Um, you know, this is what would it be his third blockbuster of a different decade? This would be if you say what Jaws, ET, than this. Yeah, if you, if you, if um, you take it serious, like he had like one major blockbuster in every decade. He had, yeah, he had, he had like three or four in the eighties alone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just throwing ET out just because no, the that, first that, one that came that, to my head. That, that, yeah, but, that's a good one to throw out. But I mean, like overall, it's just one of those films that you. I mean, obviously, it took a while for me to go back to it, but uh, you can see why they expanded this world. Um, John Williams' score obviously plays a hand in this one because it, it conveys the emotion you feel, like even at the, the the excitement of hearing that score for the first time when they're first coming onto Jurassic Park. I mean, you get that exciting feeling, that excitement, um, and when there's like suspense and like you know, Williams conveys that through the score. It's just a fantastic film overall. Um, and kind of what we said again, I think this movie was perfectly cast that I couldn't see another pairing of everybody with Sam Neill, with Laura Dern, you mm -hmm. know, with, uh, you know, Jeff Goldblum, everybody. I think everybody's perfect in this film. I couldn't imagine seeing other people portray those roles. But, you know, overall, just a fun film. And this, yeah, kind of what Marisol said, this is what a summer blockbuster is. You know what I mean? You got a, a ton of them in the 90s, but I think this one really was kind of the, the beginning of those summer blockbusters in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything said today. I, this this is also one of my favorites of all time. I think that this film is uh, great on so many levels, effects wise, fantastic, writing wise, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I think it has some incredible, incredible themes for summer blockbuster. I think it definitely stands as one of, in terms of summer blockbuster, this is one of the best 
ever do it. Definitely one of the best of the nineties and I'm really happy we got a chance to revisit today. So if you're like one of like the six people who haven't seen this movie, go watch it. <laughs> it's uh but that brings the end of the show. So Marisol, I want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, anything you want to plug before you head out? Um, mostly uh, just that um, I'm, uh, you may know this, you guys may know this. I'm a movie trivia showdown competitor. Um, and I play, I've been playing a couple matches and I'm going to play a few more, hopefully. Um, so uh, I have um, a match coming up. I'm, I have a number one contenders match coming up. So check me out. Uh, and it's against uh, a director that you might know as well, Kevin Smith. So people should check that out. Um, subscribe, join uh, the uh, Movie Trivia Schmodown community on SCN Network and check out my match. Um, I'm also um, on Twitter uh, sometimes um, at Marisol underscore Mariah, M-I-R-I-A-H on Twitter. Sometimes I tweet. Um, and you can also find me um, logging and talking about uh, the movies that I've seen on Letterboxd. Uh, same handle as my Twitter. All right, Russell, you give our plug for a hit up. Yeah, you guys can find us Notorious by Chance on Facebook. That's where we put the weekly polls up for you guys to vote uh, what movie we're going to review. Um, you guys can also find us on YouTube. We're going to start being a little bit more uh, visual with that and start putting more content on the YouTube channel. Notorious by Chance is the handle for that. Also want to give a special shout-out to Loved Again Media for being our sponsor. If you guys go to lovedagainmedia.com, you guys can get $10 off of a subscription pack. So they have used me- media such as like, you know, movies, uh, vinyl, video games. If you use the uh, code word notorious, you guys save 10 bucks. So go ahead and check their page out. And if, if anything, at least give a, a, a like or, you know, a, a share for their uh, for their work on uh, Love to Get Media Facebook page. Yeah, big thanks to Love to Get Media for sponsoring the podcast. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Chance with underscore 91 and everything that they just said. Uh, So, yeah, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.